Welcome to Sports Central on 88.1 The Bird. We are officially back here in Ellensburg, Washington. It's the first Sports Central show of the year. My name is Austin Lane, your host today. Joining me today, the veteran Miles King and the rookie Nick Farman. Boys, how are you doing today? Austin, I'm doing great this morning. It's a beautiful morning. I got my coffee. It is my favorite time of the season. We got the MLB postseason wrapping up. We have the NFL in full swing. And next week, my favorite, my favorite league, the <laughs> NBA, starting back up. Nick, how are you doing this Saturday morning? Pretty good. I mean, it's a beautiful day. Another great day in Ellensburg with the sun coming over the mountain pass and everything. Um, I'm more excited just because it's getting into that deep fall time, like he said. I'm mm -hmm. just, just excited to be live and be here. This is a great time of the year. Welcome to the show, my friend. Let's go around the room and get a little bit of a warm-up in. We're going to go best NFL team that won't make the playoffs. Miles, start us off. I got to start out with the 1-4 and four Atlanta Falcons. These guys are in the playoffs the last couple of years. They have an MVP, Matt Ryan. They have a stud receiver, Julio Jones. And don't forget about the backfield with uh, Devontae Freeman. They're just in a tough division. You got the Saints and you got the Panthers, and, and those guys are just going to beat them up. And so I think this team misses the playoffs. Nick, what do you got? Best NFL team that won't make the playoffs? Um, I actually have Green Bay out of the NFC North, being that they have that huge competition rivalry with, I mean, just a whole bunch of teams up and down through the division with mm -hmm. the Vikings. Even though the Vikings are struggling this season, it seems like, offensively and defensively. Um, but with the Bears coming in and being 3-1 and one with Trubinsky balling out like he is yeah. and the huge trade, obviously, that's controversial. So. It'll be interesting to see where they go, but I truly believe Green Bay is going to be the best team that doesn't make it. I'm going to go with a little bit of a stretch here. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. They're 4-1, but we know how bad that defense is. They still have to play the Rams, the Panthers twice, which I think they lose both of those games, actually, even at home. They play the Bengals, the Eagles, Falcons, and the Steelers, who some of those teams aren't impressive so far this year, but you never know what can happen in those divisional games. You never know what can happen against the Steelers. I think they'll get hot later in the season. They play them at the end of the season. I think the Steelers will be way better by then. I think the Saints miss the playoffs. I think they go maybe 9-7. and seven. I think the Panthers go 10-6, and six, get over that division. And I think the wild card might be good enough if you're 9-7 and seven in the mm -hmm. NFC this year. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think another team sneaks in over the Saints. That's just my pick. Let's go worst NFL team that will make the playoffs. So flip it around. Nick, you can go first this time. Uh, I'm going to go strictly to New England. Uh, okay. Simply record-based out of the AFC East. Also, once again, being a middle-tier, weaker conference okay. in the NFL this year. Once again, on repeat. Uh, but with Miami still being a threat down the road, and we always seem to lose once a year to them, we always seem to give – the Bills a hard time, even when it's in New York. Yeah. Uh, but I still think New England, being that the record is three and two, will be the worst team that ends up making the playoffs. Okay, Miles, what do you got? To me, it's whoever comes out of the NFC least. This reminds <laughs> me of a couple years back. The NFC East, just a very mediocre division. This it's, division I see was it the once same way this really year. Really good. Yeah. yeah. It really was. Just a couple years back, even Dallas. Yeah. Remember that barn burner of a game they had against Green Bay a couple years back. Yeah. But this division again this year is very mediocre. I very I really believe whoever wins this division is most likely going eight and eight. Do you wow. believe that's because of their quarterback play? If throughout the whole division? Yeah. I would say yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good assessment. Yeah, I want to talk about the NFC East real quick. I mean, all those teams have the potential of being good. They're just yeah. missing those little pieces and it makes them all like eight and eight. And none of them none of them are like bad. Like, none of them are really bad. We had the Eagles win the Super Bowl. 
they look average. We have the Cowboys with all their star power, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, they look average. We have the Giants who are average every year. Let's not lie about it. <laughs> and we have the Redskins Manny, who are also average every year. Like there's nobody good and there's nobody bad in that division. It's such uh, a weird division. They, in the they have like that Super Bowl mentality of getting that far. Yeah. But right now they're all just broken and stuck at that average point. Yeah. It I really mean, reminds me of when the Seahawks made the playoffs at seven and nine. So don't be surprised if whoever thanks. wins the NFC East ends up winning their first playoff game over some Could like happen, eleven yeah. and five team. I'll be honest, I did not see the Eagles winning the Super Bowl last yeah, year. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. No. Thanks for reminding us of that horrible <laughs> year with Seattle. <laughs> My worst NFL team that will make the playoffs is actually going to be the Dolphins. I think they mm. will sneak in as an AFC wild card, despite Ryan Tannehill looking awful this year so far. What's um, new? <laughs> They they uh they're winning close games, which proves that they have the audacity to at least do that. Yeah. And their only losses so far are to the Patriots and the Bengals, which you know those are two good teams in the AFC. So. Yeah, the Bengals are four and one this year. That's yeah. kind of crazy to be honest. I mean, they've had good starts in mm-hmm. the past towards the season, but the fact that they're improving this much, yeah, and with their quarterback being kind of on the low end yeah. of media attention with Andy Dalton and that, but. I well, that that, that division too. Flying under the radar, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That whole division. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the Steelers are at the bottom of the division. The Browns are above the Steelers right now, and they're two, two, and one. They can't even. You know, they barely. They, they barely beat, beat the Ravens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that could have been another tie. We would have had two ties for the Browns. Is but... Marvin Lewis still coaching in Cincy? Uh, I think so. Right. And has he still not he, won a playoff game? <laughs> Correct. Oh my gosh, you're going to bring yes, that up <laughs> because they come up to. Foxborough and true, yeah, get yeah, killed. <laughs> that's true. All right, we're gonna go NFL lock of the week. So the game that you know for a fact is gonna be correct. I'm gonna go Vikings over the Cardinals at home. Cardinals just don't have it against the Vikings. Smiles. I'm going Rams over the Broncos. I think uh, they go up to mile high. The Broncos defense is good, but the Rams offense is better. Both the Rams defense and the Broncos offense are kind of bad. So I think ultimately the Rams offense wins out. Okay, Miles, or excuse me, Nick. I'm actually going to go with a lock on Minnesota against. Okay, you're agreeing with me? Yes. Yeah, I, reason, I, I just don't think the Cardinals are good enough. Just that Minnesota right now with how much energy they have behind being one game out from yeah. the Super Bowl last year, um, and they just have that momentum. I mean, the scariest thing in football right now is being in Minnesota and mm-hmm. – uh, as an away team and hearing them do the skull chant, oh, that's no. scary <laughs> with a giant drum. But they haven't looked great this year. But Arizona, no. yeah, Nick, I'm not, bad. I'm not seeing the motivation. Honestly, yeah, I, just, I know they're one game short, but I'm just, I'm not seeing the motivation. They've kind of stumbled out the gates. I that, but I just don't see Arizona being physically prepared yeah. for Minnesota. Do you think Miles Arizona that's has a, a chance? I think an upset actually. Yeah, really. Yeah, Josh Rosen's been playing better the last two weeks. Okay. If it weren't for a Sebastian Janikowski field goal, they beat the Seahawks. Last week they beat the Niners. I know the Niners aren't good, but get this. Josh Rosen, 170 yards against the Seahawks, 180 yards against the Niners. A touchdown in each game. I'm not saying he's a world beater. He may not even win Rookie of the Year with those numbers. No. But he's playing better, and what he's doing is he's putting this team in position to win a game. Yeah, but the Browns are always pulling it out. One field goal or two field goals away, sorry, from being four and one as well. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's talking about the Cardinals. I mean, we got to give it to him. It's <laughs> NFC West, AFC also, North. Also, keep you know. in mind the Vikings looked shaky. They barely squeaked by barely. the Eagles, three and three. That's a good point. And they yeah. lost to the Buffalo Bills. So, is your upset of the week officially Oof. the Cardinals over the Vikings? Yes. Oof. You're going the opposite of our lock the of the week. Yes. Wow. I'm going the opposite. All right, Nick, what do you have for your upset of the week? Upset of the week. Yeah. I might actually just have to go with Kansas City over New England. Okay. 
even though they're marching in. We seem to struggle defensively, New England, being that we can't necessarily prepare for a different quarterback. And you saw that in the Super Bowl last year. We weren't Mm -hmm. prepared for two backups. And when that comes about, defensively, you're just prone to watching film on who has played majority of the season, Mm -hmm. not expecting that whole film debate of, oh, well, they could do this and you can predict this, but you really can't. Um, but I see that being the problem this week with New England and Kansas City. And you say we, you're a Boston sports fan? Oh, yes. Patriots <laughs> all the way? Oh, yes. <laughs> My upset of the week is going to be the Cowboys over the Jaguars. They're three-point underdogs coming into this game. Jaguars are a good team, but they don't look as good as they did last year. And I think the Cowboys are in that area in the NFC East like we're talking about. They need a win to start and show their dominance over there in the NFC East. Let's go to the Chiefs now. We're going to go into our first major topic. If you want to join in on this conversation, give us a text at 509-963-2311. We'll give you a shout-out on air. But let's go into it, boys. Are the Chiefs for real this year? We're just talking about them playing the Patriots this week. And going into this game, a lot of experts aren't so sure the Chiefs are going to win this game. The Patriots are actually favored, I think, in this game, correct? By about three points. Yeah. 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 And so the experts and the odds are all saying – Chiefs get their first loss of the season. What do you guys think of the Chiefs so far this season? Are they for real? I think they're really solid. Last year they started 5-0 and as well, and they ultimately got bounced in the wild card game. Yeah. So I think this is definitely a measuring stick game for the Chiefs. They can go in. It's in Foxborough, correct? Correct. They can go into Foxborough and win this game. That's a, that's a, that's a big win. Yeah. And it's a, sort of a proverbial ta- it's, pass it's a monumental kind of thing. like statement. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's so almost like if they win this game, it's like a shifting of the power almost. Yes. I feel like, yeah, with the new age. Might, I don't know if you agree with me or disagree with me, but oh, yeah. I think the, the Patriots are kind of on the decline as, as of the last couple of years. I mean, sure, they're in Super Bowls. And we're things, in a but. sense of like where Seattle was after that Super Bowl win against Denver back in the day. Right. Um, <laughs> we say that even though it was a few seasons ago. But <laughs> being <laughs> that decline like you mentioned i i feel like it's more they're just broken and that's where the wide receiver trade came in with a few draft picks and such um but i truly believe that it's not necessarily new england declining i think they're just broken but where kansas city is now and how they're progressing offensively especially with just one draft pick and it seems like their offense is completely more dynamic than we've seen in a while and that's even considering in the past with Tom Brady and Randy Moss with the defense that he's had with Teddy Bruschi and Junior Seau and yeah. stuff like that. But offensively, I think they're so dynamic that it, it's very unpredictable what they can do at any time. So I do think that they're for real now. Look, the Chiefs have been good for multiple seasons now. It's just being overshadowed by the fact that they can't go deep into the playoffs. And yeah. in the past, it's been a problem because the AFC has been so much good. I mean, or so much better than this year. I mean, you got teams like the Steelers and you got teams like the Patriots, like we're talking about. They're on the decline this year. So I think the Chiefs have it this year. I think Andy Reid coming together with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the it factor on this mm-hmm. team. Oh, yes. Definitely. I mean, Alex Smith. I'm not saying he was the problem, the guy but he wasn't the solution. Outs, though, it wasn't so. that dynamic edge. Yeah. And that's what Mahomes brings is that huge, Exactly. Like, He's a gunslinger. He throws it all over the place. I love yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think Patrick Mahomes is the it factor for this team. He's bringing the team together. I mean, the defense is playing good. The offense, they haven't scored lower than 27 points in a game this season, and that was in a win in Denver. So I, I think the Chiefs are for real this year. Do you think that the Chiefs will have the Dallas effect, is what I like to call it, not being able to win a playoff game, win no, out of I, the first round? 
I think that I think this year it's different because okay. the AFC is looking a little worse than it has in past seasons. If the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs finish around thirteen and three, maybe even fourteen and two. Wow. And I think they get that number one seed. They get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and they ride it all the way into the Super Bowl. And they play Cleveland and lose. <laughs> they choke. <laughs> I will eat my a, words. If you got to go into Arrowhead in the playoffs, that, that's going to be tough. Yes. I will come back on here a week after that game on Saturday, <laughs> and I will say <laughs> I was dead apologize. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize to all the fans listening out there. Again, if you want to get in on this conversation, we're talking about the Chiefs. Text us at 509-963-2311. Let's talk more about Patrick Mahomes. Is he the NFL MVP so far this season? He slowed down in the last couple weeks, but he got off to that hot start. He's at the top of the league in touchdowns. As we know, he broke the record for what was the most rookie, most rookie touchdowns in the first five games or something. Or Correct. Not yeah. even rookie, right? It was no, just the most season, quarterback. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For I well, technically not for rookie, but I think for all NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. But coming just in starts, as a start. Believe, yeah. 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 And like I said, he slowed down a little bit over the last couple weeks. But right now, at this very moment in time, he's my MVP. What do you guys think? I don't think he is. You go back and look at second-year quarterbacks who win MVP. You have Dan Marino in 84. Mm-hmm. You have Kurt Warner in 99. So you're telling me that Pat Mahomes I'm in his second you. season is as good as these NFL legends right now. He put himself in the conversation with these NFL legends by breaking this record and early in the season. real video game numbers. Yeah. He is putting up Madden numbers so far this season. I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, some Steve Young best quarterback of all time. <laughs> some he's not the new Tom Brady yet. He's got to prove himself, but this season alone, I don't even think there's anyone else in the AFC or the NFC that might be able to go up against him. I know we were talking about is Todd Gurley the MVP, you know. I no. don't think so. I think Patrick Mahomes is better player and more valuable to his team than Todd Gurley and any other team uh, any other player in the league. What do you think, Nick? Um, I actually think that the NFL might do that weird trick kind of like what high school reporters do saying mm-hmm. that hey, this kid plays multiple positions, but we're going to focus him at one. Uh being that, I think they'll give the MVP. So you're saying the MVP will go to a quarterback no matter what? Not necessarily quarterback, but I think it'll go no matter what to the top f- offensive player. Okay. And just being that quarterbacks can put up those types of numbers yeah. and almost be always the number one candidate. Okay. I just see being Patrick Mahomes being the rookie of the year mm-hmm. for that category. So that way they can open the MVP slot up for another player oh, okay. with just as saying. good or just yeah. below numbers. So who's your there. MVP right now then? Uh, I'm going to have to say Drew Brees. Drew Brees? Yes. Okay. Uh, being that he broke that record recently. He's also, I think, only one touchdown or two. You can, we'll have to look that up. Mm-hmm. But oh, just behind Tom Brady for most touchdowns, in general, and he's on pace. And he to be second behind Tom and tie Tom as well, and then Peyton Manning. So I, those two quarterbacks already are first ballot Hall of Famers. But I just see my MVP being someone that's been in the league consistently and proving numbers consistently. Okay. And this year he's also having a fantastic year. But if they take the turn like <laughs> defensively, <I> said, yeah. <laughs> which throughout time, New Orleans has had a horrible defense except the one year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I just see Drew Brees being that MVP finally this year. Okay. Or, I mean, you could even say Jared Goff because the Rams no, are 5-0. No, no. 
There's the no Rams way. are five and zero. Oh. There's no. Oh, way. Well, they're not going to give it to Cooper Cup. Well, here, so. Nick, you want to <laughs> stick with the Rams? If there's going to be an MVP on the Rams, it's going to be Todd Gurley. Yeah, absolutely. There's if his no numbers way. significantly surpass Jared Goff, yes, but it's always through throughout history. No matter what, it's going to go to the quarterback. Same with the NFL, like the Super Bowl MVP. Who's it going to go to? No, you can't compare that. It's going to go to the quarterback. No, it's that's, that's a one-game performance, not yeah. a whole season. And that's the thing, though, is like it, they compare it that way all the time because the most valuable player, no matter what, on any team, did they is not a give it to KJ Wright when the Seahawks? Unless went? it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, because <laughs> Blake Bortles is garbage. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got a text from the two five three. Can a young Jared Goff win deep into the playoffs and get the Rams in the big game? I mean, we're on the topic yes. of the Rams. Let's talk about it, Nick. You th- you think yes? Explain. Yes. Uh, I just think this is the year that the NFL is on the NFC side, so broken, yeah. especially with Seattle being as horrible as they are now with their team management. And like I said earlier off the air, that they missed their chance to really build on their defense the way that they should have from an outsider's perspective, passing on Buda Baker, passing on Kevin King, and Cam, the big lineman from Alabama, to mm-hmm. reset their offense as well, to have that huge body up there and just a physical freak on their offensive line but I I just really see that now with the experience that they have and honestly they probably have the best wide receiver core in football with Cooper Cup Brandon Cooks and a few other guys yes and I just think they're so deadly offensively that their defense could basically get two stops a game and they'll still win Look, I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback. I think a lot of people underestimate him a lot. But yes. that being said, I don't think he's one of the top, you know, five or top ten even quarterbacks in the NFL. No. I think he can lead the Rams to the Super Bowl this year. Yes. But actually, it'll be strictly actually, on the that. back of the talent he has around him. Yeah, let me take that back. They will go to the Super Bowl if they don't play like they played against the Seahawks last mm-hmm. week, giving up thirty one yeah, points yeah. to one of the worst offenses That's in the league. My yes. biggest question with the Rams yeah. is can their defense Take them in the playoffs. Yeah. And that's because the thing, offense too. Offense wins you regular season games, absolutely. You yes. can blow people out 30 points every mm-hmm. game during mm-hmm. the regular season. But when it comes down to the grit and grind, the nitty gritty of the postseason, you need a stout defense to make those stops. Yes. And from what I saw when they were playing the Seahawks, they don't have that defense, which just perplexes me because they, they have studs on defense. And they've, yeah. studs throughout on history, have seem, somehow had the number on Seattle coming up and beating them at yeah. home, which everybody knows now in the NFL it's pretty hard to do that in Seattle. And then when the Rams weren't even close to being playoff contenders, yeah. I, they literally had they two wins one season. And, yeah. They had two wins, and both were against Seattle. Yep. And I feel like that's just a huge thing. So it's like a momentum shift almost yeah. in the NFC. So it's just like, hey, we're the new guys in town, but we're also those top dogs. I, I do agree that. with you, Nick. I think the NFC is a little weaker this year, but I think even if it was at its normal strength, I think the Rams are still the top of the Oh, yeah, hands down. Conference. And yeah. people will say, well, what about Green Bay? That team is loaded. Aaron Rodgers, but I, I still don't think Green Bay is even close to being what they used to be. And I think oh, it was no. a mistake that Green Bay looks bad this year. Aaron Rodgers signed a contract to them because yeah. that's sad. And I know he doesn't want to leave because, I mean, the respect that he has for that organization, but it, I just think that Green Bay is like, just completely broken. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if the Rams don't make it to at least the, the conference title game. Yes, yeah. and I, being that, like Dallas finally has more defensive players with mm-hmm. Van Der Esch from Boise, mm-hmm. Boise State being that. Um, but like the whole conference seems to have like star-powered players, but they don't have those role players. That, they can't put it together. Yeah, they yeah. don't have all those other guys around that are really buying in and producing results that everybody yeah. wants to see. Well, let's play a hypothetical game. Let's say 
the Rams, and the Kansas City Chiefs make the Super Bowl. Who would win that game? It's pretty much Rams. best offense versus one of the best defenses. So Rams. You think the Rams? I yes. think the Rams would. I think the Chiefs win that game. And I think the defense wouldn't really even show up. I think it would be a shootout. Yeah. You think it would just be an yeah, offensive, offensive shootout? shootout. Shootout. I'd have You're to have Mahomes you throwing it all over the field. Yeah. You're going to have Goff throwing it all over the field. With all Gurley three running receivers. everywhere. <laughs> And Todd I don't know. Really being another receiver. I'm going to go back on what I said. I think this is the Chiefs' year to win it all, honestly. They look so good, and I'm riding the hype train. You know, past seasons, if I would have said this, I would have looked stupid because the Chiefs and just still lose the first, the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> They've I'm going out on a limb. I'm saying this is the year they won't mess up in the first round of the playoffs. I, agree. I mean, yeah, Austin, I want I want to see the Chiefs do well. They've yeah. disappointed me. You know, they always start out so well. What did they start, yeah. like, 9-1 and one a couple years ago? Yeah. They bounced in the first round. Yeah. They started out 5-0 and oh last year, losing the wild card game. And yeah. it, it, that's the thing. Is it a I testament to, do to well, their division? They just disappoint. Yeah. Like, is it a testament to their division strength? And that, like, people can ask. No, that no, all no, the time. no. This, we're talking about the past. It's a testament to how the Chiefs were in the past. They didn't have what it took to win a playoff game. We're not talking about the rest of the conference. Sure, the other team was good enough to beat them, but I think that's more more of the Chiefs losing the games. I mean, okay. do you guys remember that game against the Colts a couple years ago, where they let the Colts come yes. back at the very end of the game in the yes. first round of the playoffs? I mean, you can't let that stuff happen. And Correct. if you're Andy Reid, he's taking all the right steps, I think, to make those changes. For the team, and this is the year they're finally going to do it. So. Yep. I don't think we can stress enough this Pats game this weekend <clears throat> is huge. For oh, a team. huge game, huge game. Let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about. Excuse me, we're. I'm talking to Tim Booth. I had an interview with him yesterday here in Ellensburg, so we're going to play that right on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sports Central here on 88.1 The Berg. Don't go anywhere. I'm here with Tim Booth, AP Seattle sports writer and former CW alum. You're back here in Ellensburg at your stomping grounds. What are you up to this week? Uh, just doing some outreach, doing talking to some classes, uh, having a couple of alumni meetings while I was over here. So um, it's always good to get out of Seattle and get back over to a little bit more of a, a relaxed, uh, sunnier part of the part of the state. Yeah. So I, I always love coming back when I can. What has changed here in Ellensburg since you went to school? Here? <laughs> uh, can I just answer everything? <laughs> um, let's see. Well, when I was in school, the Berg was in the Samuelson building, which is now the STEM building, which looks amazing mm -hmm. um, walking around it. Uh, Fred Meyer wasn't even built when I was a student here. It was all being talked about being built. Uh, the Cirque wasn't built. We paid for the Cirque, so enjoy the Cirque now while you can <laughs> because my, my generation of students here kind of helped pay for it. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of changes for the better. It's kind of like uh, Ellensburg sort of finally starting to grow up a little bit, and it's really cool to come back and see just how it's how it's evolved since uh, since I left here in 2000. And obviously, a big sports guy, you still pay attention to CW football. What do you see out of them so far this season? Um, you know, I was I was disappointed to see that they lost to West Texas. I knew how much hype there was around that game just because it was the stadium opening. So it was, you know, like it, it was kind of a worry sort of going into that one because you sort of felt that that maybe that would happen just because there was so much attention placed on what was going on that night with with the grand opening of the stadium and everything. But um, I've been really impressed with what Ian Shoemaker has done just in his time here. Uh, he seems like he's building the program the right way. They're being, you know, highly highly successful um, on the field. It seems like he's he's bringing in, you know good kids who are good students and, and not some, you know, maybe knuckleheads that we've had in the past. Um, it's, it's, it's a program to be really proud of right now. It's one of the, you know, kind of my job doesn't allow me really to root for anybody, mm -hmm. 
so central sports is kind of the one thing I can root for. So I, I'm I'm proud to root for what Ian's doing um, with the football program and and all of Central's athletics as a whole. Awesome. Let's talk Seattle sports. Let's go to the Seahawks first. I know right in the middle of the season now, two and three, put up a good fight against the Rams. Though, what do you see out of the Seahawks so far this season? Um, I think they're honestly they're a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. Um, I I kind of had them coming out of this stretch to begin the year at two and four. I think they have a pretty good chance going into Sunday's game in, in London against the Raiders being three and three. I think the the Rams game that sort of validated everything that they want to be. Um, they can run the ball. They've got a, an offensive line that has an attitude that's that's been missing really for the last few years. It's sort of the attitude that the that that group had back when um, they were you know in 2012 2013 when they were going to the Super Bowl. Um, that's that's sort of what this team is. When this team's at its best, that's kind of what it does. It smashes you up front, it runs the ball, and then it lets Russell Wilson just do what he needs to do rather than feel like the game is on his shoulders to have to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously shown in the past he can do that, but uh, when when they're they're most efficient, and that's what we saw against the Rams, is it's they're running the ball 30-plus times a game, and they've got a back over 100 yards, and Russell's throwing it about 20 to 25 times. That's that's how they work best offensively. So I think there's there's a lot of um, optimism about what the offense has been so far. The defense, I think they are what they are. You know, you lose a guy like Earl Thomas, and you're, you're obviously going to be different. They've been, I think, really surprisingly pleased with the way their most of their defensive backs have played. I think Bradley McDougal's been the team MVP mm-hmm. so far. Um, Trey Flowers is an absolute revelation, a guy who was a safety in college, who was actually discovered by a Central alum who's now a scout for oh, cool. the Seahawks. <laughs> um, Aaron Heinlein was the scout who who discovered Trey Flowers at Oklahoma State as a safety and thought maybe he could be a, a cornerback. So he's been a, a complete revelation at, at corner. Um, Shaquille Griffin's obviously going to be a, is is a star in the making. Um, I think if there's a concern, it's it's sort of the the pass rush on the front line. They haven't quite – Frank Clark's been really good, but they haven't got a lot beyond him. And the defense has some holes right now. And so, I, I, you know, ultimately I don't think they're going to be in many shootouts like they were against the Rams, but this certainly isn't the defense that, you know, we came to know when they were, um, you know, the best defense in the NFL. So a lot of young guys on the team, and you say you're pre- uh, pleasantly surprised by how good they've been so far this season. Do you think they're still trying to find their identity, or have they already found it? Well, I don't think the identity of of what the Seahawks want to be has changed. It's always been run the ball and play good defense. Mm-hmm. And over time, that sort of evolved as as you know people left and injuries took place, and sort of Russell's development sort of changed some of that. Yeah. Um, but I think what it is is these young kids are coming in and sort of fitting with what that identity is. They're not. Nece- I don't think it's necessarily them finding their own, but it's them coming in and fitting in with the way that Seattle wants to play. And I think the progression of that has been a little bit quicker than most people would have imagined. Trey Flowers, I think, is a perfect example. This was a guy who, until the couple days before the opener, was going to be a backup at cornerback. And then, because of an injury, he's thrown out there and he has to start the opener in Denver. And he's more than held his own so far. He's actually been really good. So um, that's just another another guy who has come in, learned the system, bought into what the system is, and is fitting in with what Seattle's identity is rather than maybe finding his own. Um, and I think they've got some 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 more guys like that beyond him who could be potential, um, you know, difference makers for them in the future. 
Now, personally for me, I see the Seahawks as maybe a 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine team this season. What do you think? Do you think they make the playoffs? I don't think they make the playoffs. I thought they were. I thought before the year they were going to be 6-10. I, yeah. I think they're better than 6-10. and 10. Uh, I think they're more like uh, – to me, they still feel like an 8-8 eight and eight team. Mm-hmm. I think they have a really difficult stretch when they get back from London. Um, they come back and they, they have their bye, and then they play at Detroit, who I think Detroit's better than most people are giving them credit for. Uh, they get the Chargers at home, and the Chargers are really good. They go to the Rams. They got the Packers. They play at the Panthers, um, and that's even and that's before the schedule kind of goes in their favor in December when they play four or five games at home. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really challenging stretch when they get back, and maybe they go one and four through that stretch. Maybe two and three. Um, I, I don't think I don't think you're going to see them going three and two or four and one through that through that month. So. Yeah. I, I think I think it's still probably an, an eight and eight ish team, which, in all honesty, by the time we get to December, might be enough to keep them in the, in the playoff race. But I don't think I don't think eight and eight is going to be good enough to get into the playoffs this year. If you know they pull a, pull out a game or two, no one's expecting it can get into nine wins. Then maybe they are in that conversation when we get to late December. All right, we're on the topic of playoffs. Mariners offseason. What do they need to do this year to get to the playoffs next year? That's a really good question because I don't think they know what the what they need to do. Um, they're sort of in this nebulous gray area of do we sort of tear it down and try and get as much value as we can for the pieces we can move, or do we try and add on a piece or two and see if we can take eighty nine wins and go to ninety two or ninety three? They unfortunately they picked the wrong year to be really good. Yeah. Um, you know, historically, 89 wins should have been enough to get them into the postseason. But obviously, this year it wasn't even close with what the Yankees and the and the A's did, and with what the Astros did. I think it's it's a hard place for them to be because they've got some contracts they can't move, they've got some players they would like to move, and they don't have much that they could move and get back um, in a trade and get back sort of market value for for what those guys were. So you could maybe move Gene Segura. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to move Mitch Haniger because he's still young and he's got a lot of club control. Um, maybe you could move Mike Leak. Maybe you could move, um, you know, trying to think off, off the top of my head, some other guys. You're not going to move Paxton. You can't move Cano because of his contract. Yeah. You can't move Seeger because of his contract. You can't move Felix because of his contract. It's there's a lot of there's a they're kind of stuck and it's a terrible place to be because if they make three improvements to their to their lineup still probably not enough to catch the Astros. Yeah. But if they break it all down, they have to break it all down like almost to the bare bones. So it's a really difficult spot for them to be in. It's going to be a really fascinating couple of months to see how Jerry DePoto tries to retool this or or find that extra 2% to make them more competitive with the Astros. And I don't know if it's possible because the Astros, to me, are still a team that's going to be loaded for another several years. Um, and you don't want to make an incremental move to be good in 2019 only to fall way off in 2020. I think at this point they've got to make moves that are either going to make them take a step back now so that they're good for two or three years mm-hmm. or figure out the pieces they need in order to be really good immediately for two or three years, and I don't know if that's possible for them. Okay. Baseball season, minimum of 162 games. Football, on the other hand, minimum of 16 games. What's your schedule like during Seahawks season? More open? Uh, no, it's actually busier. busier. <laughs> if wow. that's, okay, if that's possible. That. Um, 
because you've got always you always have stuff going on. So my job is that I'm responsible for coverage of all the sports in Seattle. So I've got on top of the Seahawks and the Mariners, I've got the Sounders, I've got mm-hmm. UW football and basketball, I've got um, you know, this year in September we had the Storm go to go and win the WNBA yeah. championship. Um, there's always something going on. And it's so it's September is actually the worst month of the year for me because okay. you have so much overlap of, of yeah. things starting up and, yeah. and going on. So it's constantly busy. And in a lot of ways, football season is busier than baseball. Baseball, I don't – I have people who work for me, so I don't have to cover 81 home mm-hmm. games, which is an amazing benefit because there was no way I could handle doing 81 home games. Uh, but so I, I can take my breaks during baseball season in a lot of ways, but when football ramps up, it gets it gets super busy, and I'm pretty much – Busy nonstop for about four months. Okay. Busy schedule. It might get a little busier in the next couple of years with the NHL coming to Seattle. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think we're, you know, it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point Mm -hmm. that, you know, Seattle's going to get one more franchise. Um, I don't know the name. I don't know the colors. No one knows that yet. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, really at this point, it's it's all sort of a a game of formality. The NHL is going to meet in early December and as long as in the beginning stages of construction on Key Arena they don't find you know something unexpected as they're excavating mm-hmm. um, they're going to award the franchise and it'll be it'll be conditional to start in 2020 assuming that they can get the arena done in time but they'll have some contingencies in there so that if they fall behind it could start in 2021 but they're certainly shooting to get it started for for the 2020 season um and yeah, it'll it'll be. I'm really curious to see what the what the sort of general reaction is going to be because mm-hmm. you know they did the season ticket drive and it went amazingly well. Yeah. Um. They've done to me. They've done everything almost perfectly to now with the structure of the organization, with the the deal that they struck with the city for redoing the arena, um, for a lot of the outreach that they've done for putting the practice facility in the city and making it part of a, a redevelopment of an area, I think was incredibly uh, a smart deal for them to do. So they, they, they haven't had any missteps to me yet. And if that continues, then I think you're going to see this amazing franchise launch happen in, in two years. Um, and they have one of the smartest people I've ever dealt with in Todd Lywicki running the whole thing. And he is an exceptional sports executive and as long as he remains in charge of this, I don't. I, I think it's going to go really, really well. And with the NHL coming back, obviously the big question is when are we going to get our Sonics back? We're talking about later in the show relocation versus expansion in the NBA. What do you think would be better, uh, maybe a better uh, ploy to the NBA to try and get it back to Seattle? Well, I think better for everybody involved would be expansion, mm-hmm. just because you know those of us who were Sonics fans, we had the we had the pain of having the team ripped from us, and yeah. I don't think. You know, that was the whole thing with, with the Kings back in 2011 when it looked like they might be purchased by Chris Hansen and moved to Seattle was we wanted a team so bad, but we ne- didn't necessarily want to do the same thing we had done to us. Yeah. And that was a, that was certainly an overwhelming feeling that was out there. So I think for all parties, expansion is going to end up being the best route. But expansion also means delay. And I don't think – I really don't think based off what I've heard that – the NBA is going to be talking expansion probably until about 2024, 2025, somewhere in that range. And the other piece of it's going to be what's going to be the other city. What You're not going to bring in Seattle just to bring in Seattle. You're going to bring it in because you want to have a 30-second team and you want to make the numbers even and, and work out. So what's that other city going to be? It Could it be Louisville? 
Could it be, you know, there's been talk about San Diego. There's been talk about Kansas City. There's mm-hmm. been talk about St. Louis. There's been, to me, the big thing is going to be, can they find a foothold in Mexico City? I think Mexico City is where the NBA wants to go. Okay. I think it's a, to, it's a hugely untapped market. Um, for professional American professional sports. I know the NFL has a game there now every year in Mexico City, but that's one game, and they're never going to put a franchise in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. I think feasibly you could potentially make it work to have a franchise in Mexico City. And if the NBA discovers that and fi- can figure it out um, over the next several years, then when the time comes that the expansion is talked about again, which again might be 23, 24, 25, somewhere in that neighborhood, then you have your complementary city with Seattle because I think that the NBA wants to right that wrong at some point mm-hmm. and bring Seattle back on on board. Um, but it's going to be finding that that partner city. I happened to spend a few days in Mexico City earlier this year, and there were NBA, guys were wearing NBA jerseys all over the place. And it was the Heat, and it was the Spurs, and it was the Lakers, and it was the Cavs. And the NBA has a foothold there. They have a they have a fan base there. I think it's just figuring out the feasibility of it that if the NBA can, I, I, I could see it happening at some point. All right, well, there you have it. AP, Seattle sports writer, and CWU alum Tim Booth. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me on. So there's my interview with Tim Booth from earlier in the week. And, boys, I want to talk about something specific Tim talked about earlier in, the, in, the, excuse me, in that interview. He's talking about the Seahawks. Has the identity changed for the Seahawks since they went to the Super Bowl back-to-back years? He said – that it hasn't changed, it's always stayed the same, run the ball and play good defense. I think it's changed a little bit with Russell Wilson passing the ball a little more in recent years. What do you guys think about that? In my opinion, I don't think that their identity has changed in a sense that they want to sway away from what they've been known to do, and that's pound the rock and Mm -hmm. throw it eventually to set it up with the play action. But I think their identity across the league, the image that they've project to other teams has changed significantly and I don't think as many teams including the Rams see them as a threat okay Miles what do you think about that I think uh, there's been a little bit of division among the teammates as far as do they favor Russell Wilson and I think that that loss to the Patriots in that Super Bowl a couple years ago was just such a shock to the system for this team and they kind of got away from it for the last couple years pounding the rock and being physical and playing great defense and and so they kind of had Russell throwing it all over the place and getting sacked a lot. and uh, But I think this year, the, the coach is still there. The head coach is still there. Pete Carroll still wants to play physical. He still wants to run the ball. And I think finally they have kind of that two-headed monster at back with Chris Carson and Mike Davis. And they got a couple other guys that can catch it out of the backfield. But they brought, they brought back in these maulers on the offensive line. And so I think they're getting back to where they want to be, where they were a couple years ago. Well, the Seahawks' identity might not have changed over the past couple years, but the NFL viewership has changed, and it has changed for the worse. It's gone down, but the MLB is still declining as well. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Central here on 88.1 The Berg. Welcome back to Sports Central. If you want to join in on the conversation, give us a text at 509-963-2311. For this segment, up until 10 o'clock, we're going to be talking about viewership not only in the NFL, but in the MLB. So in the NFL, we know what's going on. The protests, the kneeling, the concussions, Donald Trump, everyone getting on the NFL. And their viewership has gone down. But last Monday night was a game against the Saints and the Redskins. And in the MLB, it was game three of the ALDS between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Some could say the most important baseball game of the season up until that point. 
and yet the NFL still beat the MLB by about four and a half million viewership average um, on that Monday night. So what do you guys think is going wrong for the MLB specifically and their viewership and why it's not going up? I just feel that they have too big of a fan base that stretches across too many teams Mm -hmm. in certain areas where the teams are located as well to where the viewership, unless their club is doing well, isn't there. Okay. So, I mean, like, you have Boston. So, you're saying, so you're saying like, if an NFL team's doing bad, the fans will still watch the team, whereas if an MLB yes. team's doing bad, they're like, I don't want to watch another 40 games this season? Yes, and that's okay. because just baseball in general, the culture is different compared to football. Yeah. I compare football a lot to rugby, being that it's more popular outside of the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but their fan bases are kind of like soccer where everybody's rowdy, everybody's singing, everybody's chanting, stuff like that. Yeah. Baseball, you don't really do that. You literally sit back, drink whatever beverage you prefer, and you eat just enjoy peanuts. The game. Yeah, you just, you just enjoy, enjoy the game. The game yeah. And the culture is there, but I don't really feel that baseball is that energy bringer. To me, to me, it's twofold. And the first thing is it's quantity over quality. Okay. The NFL only plays 16 games in the regular season, and mm-hmm. then you have the postseason. So total, if you if you make it all the way to the Super Bowl and you win, you're only playing what 19 games? Yep. 20 yeah. games if you win the wild card. Yep. And then baseball, you have 162? Minimum, yeah. Minimum, Minimum, yeah. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, the one baseball game out of 162 maybe doesn't mean as much as one of 16 regular season games for NFL. And now, when you come down to the end of the season and your tight wild card races, and there will be obviously one game means something. But in the grand scheme of things, one out of 162, whether you win or lose, is probably not going to do much for you. In the NFL, though, these only 16 games, it's, it's, you know, everyone counts as far as making the playoffs, going into the postseason, making any kind of a run. And then the second part of it, I think it's more of a societal thing. I think uh, as the older generation kind of moves, you know, moves along and, and the millennials and Gen X and Gen all these other generations, <laughs> every gen. all these other generations move, move, you know, more into the populace. Uh, I think that those generations just they they're not interested in watching a three and a half hour baseball game on TV, yeah. especially now, when it starts at seven. Exactly. Yes. Now I don't want to take away from the ballpark experience. That that is good stuff. You know, you got like smell hot dogs in the air. Give me some peanuts and cracker jacks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the ballpark experience is great, but it's it's very much a generational thing to me. Well, the things you're talking about is exactly why I'm actually a little bit surprised because the things you're saying is exactly the opposite of what happened. I mean, you're talking about 162 games versus 16, but specifically in one situation, we're talking about the possibly best, most anticipated baseball game of the season. It's game three of the ALDS, Boston, New York, historical rivalry. Winner takes the lead in the series and, you know, we'll only have to win one out of the two games after that. And, you know, it's a huge game, yet the Saints versus the Redskins beat it out. Like, you know, you're talking about MLB fans don't want to watch because there's so many games. Well, I'm saying this was one of the most important games. How are you guys still not getting enough people to watch? And I think it's more of how the MLB runs its things versus um, as a problem than how America views the sports separately. Promotional-wise? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the MLB needs to do a better job of marketing their games. They need to do a better job of limiting the time yeah. down to less than three hours a game. And they're they're taking steps towards oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's not perfect it, yet. but It's like they, a two-minute clock now, right? Yeah, they're implementing a two-minute clock for breaks. They're implementing, you, you know, you only get six mound visits per game. 
per mm-hmm. team, so you can't stall on purpose, which I know teams do a lot in the playoffs to try and get a new pitcher ready. You can't do that anymore. So they're making steps in the right direction, but it's still that thing that's like, I agree with you guys. A lot of people are like, I would rather sit down and watch this random Saints versus Redskins game. Now, don't get me wrong. Drew Brees going for the record, that probably pulled in uh, another at least 500,000 average viewership during the game. But with that being said, I'm just saying Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, coming from me, I'm more of a baseball fan than a football fan. I'd much rather watch that, but the base of America wouldn't. And that's the thing. I, th- I see it again as being kind of the outsider's view of unless my team's playing, people don't want to watch. And Boston, New York has been going on for almost a century. And just being that it's that storied both programs – just have always been dominant powers in mm-hmm. the sport and it's kind of like you could compare it to basketball now with golden state going in and yeah. repetitive and i don't think many fans like that so now that boston again is a world series contender mm-hmm. with all the countless players uh new york having the star power that they do in their dugout it's just i think there's too many teams and the fact that there's so many teams and those teams aren't playoff powers on and on even on the same scale compared to what Boston and New York are. And even like you can compare those two teams to Seattle being that Seattle had a chance to make the playoffs and mm-hmm. they just let it run out. So what do you do then? Yeah. And nobody's going to watch because they knew the second that the numbers went opposite their way to make the wild card or even to make the playoffs in general. Mm-hmm none of their fans started to go to games and ticket prices for home games dropped yeah. to like 20 bucks again. Yeah. So, well, you're bringing up, you're bringing up how the fan bases are spread out too much. You know, the teams are spread out of the spread country. Too thin. Miles, you're talking about the ballpark experience being, you know, a great experience. Attendance in the MLB actually dropped by 4% this season as well. So it's not only their TV viewership, it's viewership in general. People don't even mm-hmm. go to the games as much anymore. And, you know, it's America's pastime that's past its time, you know. Yes. Yeah, I have to agree. So um, I got a question. If you want to answer this, get on, on the conversation. Text us at 509-963-2311. Text us the answer. Will the MLB ever be able to pass the NFL in viewership? Let's go around the room first. Nick, what do you think? No, unless they cut down on the amount of teams that they have or even games like you brought up. Okay. Miles? I think if they had maybe a couple more teams in the playoffs, I think those those yeah. cities would maybe pay more attention to their team in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, yeah. well, there's a way it works right now. I believe it's five teams make the playoffs. It's six. six yeah, they six, have the so. one wild card game and then the four division. Something to make it more competitive for all teams to have a chance. I would agree, yeah. And then more people will tune okay, in. Okay, yeah. I'm not I saying could. you have to go uh, NBA level and have yeah. more than half the league yeah. in the yeah. playoffs, <laughs> but that that's just bad. That's just it's not very competitive as far as playoffs go in the first round for NBA. I think everybody knows that, but correct. Yeah. I think they they've like you've said Austin before they've they've taken steps to make these games go faster, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the instant replay as as great as that is, it doesn't help the speed of the game. Yeah, but er- that's that's across all sports. That's not just mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah. But they've definitely taken steps as far as limiting the amount of timeouts and the amount of mound visits and uh, commercial breaks and yeah and things like that to to speed the game along. And I think that's definitely helping. Well, I think the MLB has a chance to pass the NFL in viewership. If the NFL keeps going down because of all the stuff, all the problems they've been having, you know, concussions, huge problem right now. Donald Trump constantly getting on the NFL about the kneeling, you know, got a lot of conservatives not watching the NFL anymore just because 
Donald Trump's like, don't watch the NFL, pretty much. Yep. So I, I think the MLB can pass them. The MLB needs to focus on taking out the stall, stall tactics, like I said, making the game longer for absolutely no reason. They need to keep their batters in the batter's box, I think, in the at-bat, because that's a lot of time if you look at the time added up over the course of a game of the amount of time the batter, okay, swing and a miss, step out, clap your hands, redo your batting gloves, the whole David Ortiz thing, you know, that can't happen anymore. And, yeah, if the NFL keeps displeasing the fans, they're already trending down, and baseball is an easier fix than the NFL, I think. You know, in baseball, it's how can we make it more exciting? How can we make it – you know, um, less boring to the normal fan. NFL has problems that Absolutely, are going to take a yeah. while to fix. The MLB is not facing these hot button issues. Yeah, that, that are the MLB isn't. Yeah, the MLB isn't PR. having to redo their helmets so that people don't get concussions. Yeah. You know, stuff like there's that. There's no PR problems. Exactly. So there's no uh, things that affect the fans either. Whereas baseball can make two adjustments basically and have a huge increase. Yeah, we got a text from the two five three. If the NFL doesn't fix the kneeling and animosity of players contract disputes it will hurt the uh, sorry if it doesn't fix the kneeling and animosity of the players and contract disputes it will hurt them in the long run mlb may see that and take advantage what do you guys think of that i would just, i wonder how the mlb would take advantage okay yeah i'm wondering yeah it being that they're two different sports i'm kind of concerned with how that necessarily will affect baseball mm -hmm. uh meaning like it's not the era of bo jackson or guys like that or michael jordan when he would go back and play for the yankees and stuff but uh, i unless there's two sport athletes that are exchanging mm -hmm. and going back and forth maybe that's what that text in person was relaying to being yeah. that oklahoma's starting quarterback right now is also drafted by the oakland a's and I mean, if that's the type, the type of correlation he's speaking on, or they, um, but I just being that we could that also brings up the debate of the new football leagues coming into play with the XFL and Vince, Vince McMahon's finally jumping back into the game of professional sports. Yeah. So I mean, I see that being more of a problem rather than baseball. Well, let's talk about the first part of the text: the kneeling and animosity of players. You know, some Seahawks fans. Let's relate this to a local level. Some Seahawks fans might have seen. In the past couple of years, Cam Chancellor holding mm -hmm. out, Earl Thomas holding out, Mike and just Bennett, been like, yeah. I'm done watching. Yeah. Like, what if you're, what if Earl Thomas is your favorite player, and you only watch the game because of Earl Thomas, and you stopped watching the game because of the contract disputes? Do you think Correct. it has that big of a uh, impact on the NFL viewership? Well, I think certain fans are fans of just players, not just teams, and so I think those absolutely those fans are going to tune out for Earl Thomas is mm -hmm. playing. Uh, but then the the diehard fans, the ones that are, love the Seahawks, yeah, like myself, we're gonna watch the game no matter who's playing. Yeah, I'll, I watch preseason games just because I love seeing the Seahawks play. I like seeing the young guys get after it as well. So, what do you think? That's actually a good point. Being that like some people don't just watch football for their team, and that was a huge thing for me. Was like people always ask, "Well, you're always a New England fan," blah 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 blah. But I was like, "Yeah, but if I could buy another jersey, it would be Drew Brees." It would be Keith Farwell from back in the day when he played for the Seahawks and was a special team, basically All-American. Uh, but it's that nostalgia of just wanting to support certain people as well on top. But I do think that the kneeling contract yeah. disputes, that's going to cause a lot of problems. And it has shown, so I do think it does. Yeah, you're talking about wanting to support your team or even a player. Where is that in the MLB? It has completely disappeared since, you know... I'd say the 60s and 70s is when it started going away. And yes. I don't know what's wrong with these baseball fans, but they need to start supporting their team no matter what. And 
it's not the NFL. It's not 16 games a season. You're going to watch every single game, see if we win every single game. But, you know, just tune in for the playoffs. I mean, I'm just talking about this one game, Boston, New York, game three of the ALDS. I'm not saying that it necessarily should have blown away the NFL Monday night football game because, you know, historically Monday night's been dominated by Monday night football, number one viewed out of everything on TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Nothing beats Monday night football. But you would hope they could at least match it. Yeah, you would hope that. Close. Yeah. Yeah. You would hope that Boston and New York game three of the LDS, you know, I would have expected them to attack me. I'm a baseball fan, <laughs> and I didn't see anything about the game. Where's the no. ads on the internet? Where's the commercials That's, at? Where's the promotion? Even yeah. ESPN, SportsCenter, they don't even talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and, you know, you have millennials who are tuning into football because football's more fun to watch. You got fantasy football. You got even betting on football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you got even millennials just like, Come bring friends over to watch football. I'm not going to bring my friends over to watch a playoff game, even in baseball. I love baseball. I'm not going to bring my friends over to watch baseball because I know they're going to sit there and be bored for three hours. The MLB needs to find a way to make it more exciting for the fans, and they don't necessarily have to focus on stealing NFL fans. They just have to focus on getting the fans of baseball back. To Correct. Come back and watch our sport. Have, it's yeah. better. Capitalize yeah. on the market that they have. Yep. And that's the thing. Like Red Sox Nation is yeah. the biggest exactly. fan base in America. That's why it surprises me so much. So uh, it's just weird that there's no title contention yeah. necessarily between football and baseball, being that they want that market viewership mm-hmm. and they don't receive it. Yeah. So uh, they still haven't and, made changes to even grab it. And some people so. still say, like, oh, I'm not going to watch because it's the same teams every year in the MLB. It's the Red Sox. It's the Yankees. They're always good, you mm-hmm. know. Same thing with the NBA. Same thing with the NFL. You're going to watch the Super Bowl, even though it's the Patriots' fifth Super Bowl in the last four years. <laughs> you know? It's like, what? You know, it's like the baseball has, fans need to the just NFL watch. turn the Super Bowl into an entertainment experience. It's not yeah, even Exactly. Not and the MLB watch, has so. not done anything close no, to that with no. the World Series. Nothing. I, I will say this as a casual fan of baseball, as a, you know, I root for the Mariners, but just as a casual baseball fan, mm-hmm. I hardly watch any games. Yeah. yeah. What I do mostly it's there's is too many. just check the score. I go, oh, the Mariners lost, or oh, the Mariners won. Yeah. Maybe I'll check the stats. And that's what that's we have it. the ESPN app for. Oh, look at that. We have another notification. Yeah. Boston yeah. beats Seattle, another game. Seven. Which I'll be honest, I do that with the NFL. I mean, I don't sit there on Sunday yeah. and tune into each game. You know, sometimes I'll watch Red Zone to see who's scoring a touchdown. But mm-hmm. I'm that way with the NFL, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go out there and say like I'm not a perfect baseball fan. Like I'm not sitting down. 162 nights out of the season and watching every single Mariners game. Nobody had time <laughs> but I do my part. I'm a Mariners fan. And I'm doing my part to watch the game. Now, will I go to a game based off their recent struggles? No. I'm going to watch it on TV, though. Correct. And the Red Sox-Yankees game, I didn't watch on TV. I didn't watch the Monday night game. I was in class. But if I had the opportunity, I would have watched Boston and New York if the MLB would have targeted me and said, hey, you, come watch our game. Correct. I didn't see any of it. You see, see Monday night football banners on Every website on the internet. All right, on the bottom. This Monday night, Saints versus Redskins. I never see ALDS, Boston, New York, maybe on ESPN. That's the only time you'll see it. So, I'm, Yeah, that surprises me, especially with the power of advertising these days and targeted ads and, and exactly. cookies yeah. and things like that. Exactly. And the data would, mining. If, if, you are, if you are searching Mariners on Google or anything like that, you should yeah. be getting that kind of stuff. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. even when you go to Google and, like, right here, I'm on the homepage for Bing, I yeah. believe, and the, the first – article that comes up is an NFL article yeah. and rather than any other sport. Exactly. And that's, I mean, because it's football season, but on top of that, it's kind of like, I feel like their news mm-hmm. is more 
It's catered to you. Yeah, yeah. it's more catered yeah. to you, and they actually pay for prime advertising. It's always popular news. Yeah, and we're you know we're the millennial uh, generation. It's up to us in a couple of years when we go off into the world and have kids to raise them to watch NFL, watch MLB. You know, you have so many kids. I'm not saying anything bad here, but you have so many kids these days who would much rather watch a League of Legends tournament than a baseball game. And that's oh, not saying anything bad against League of Legends. <laughs> that's saying something bad against the MLB. It's saying Correct. something about the rise of esports and then also the fact that the, the, the current generation and the one coming after us is yeah. they just want to check the scores. They don't want to watch the game. Because even the you esports is more exciting to the kids. You know, Baseball <laughs> isn't exciting to anyone anymore. And that's the main problem. Just make baseball more exciting. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to stick to baseball. We're going to talk about the World Series matchup we would most likely to see. Are we going to see a, a rematch between the Houston Astros and the L.A. Dodgers? Don't go anywhere. We'll be back for the second hour right after this on Sports Central. It's 88 won the Berg. You're Central on 88 won the Berg. Welcome back to Sports Central. My name is Austin Lane. Joining me is Miles King and Nick Farman. On the first episode of Sports Central so far this year, we'll be back every Saturday from 9 to 11 in the morning. We're here for the second hour. Right before this break, we were talking about MLB viewership, and I have two casual MLB fans in here, so they are perfect representations of what we're about to talk about next. What is the World Series matchup you are most likely to watch as, would you consider yourself, non-baseball fans? I'm going to have to go with Boston against L.A. Okay. The reason being just Boston's depth chart in the bullpen, mm -hmm. being with Purcello. All right, we have one of the best closers probably in all of baseball, being that and Craig Kimbrell. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole taunting when he's at the mound with the freaking bat wings that he does. Oh, come on. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't a chance for you to come up here and say, oh, my team, I want my team to win the World <laughs> Series because they're cool. No, I just think they're too <laughs> deadly. Um, but they're just being that, and there was only I think a game, a series of like ten games where they truly had a hitting slump. Okay. And that they still in that won five out of ten games, mm -hmm. and they're so consistent throughout the season. Even being that one of their best players of probably arguably in history, being that Dustin Pedroia is out mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Chris Sale, of course, being that, but. Really, I'm more excited to see how Bogarts continues to play, uh, and the young man, uh, Andrew Benintendi, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, <laughs> I'm turning his mic off if he just keeps. <laughs> oh, I love Craig Kimbrell. Oh, I, I love, love Destin Pedroia. I <laughs> love Boston sports. Go Pats. Uh, I'm just <laughs> Go you. Yeah, oh, throw, a, throw a Tom Brady for MVP. Hey, in there. interception in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm just I'm excited for what they're doing on a standpoint because I didn't even see them really bouncing back like okay. they have been and staying at this level competition wise mm -hmm. when Ortiz retired and et cetera. But I really see Boston making the win and continuing on and playing for the World Series once again. All right, Miles, what's your World Series matchup most likely to watch? For me, I love a good redemption story. I want to see L.A. Houston. I want to see that rematch and I want to see L.A. win it. I'll compare it to Golden State-Cleveland for, what was it, three or four straight years. Yep. Cleveland winning that title in Game 7, the clutch shot from Kyrie Irving, LeBron blocking, I forget, Iguodala. Mm -hmm. A great redemption story. LeBron gets the title in Cleveland. Cleveland's first title in, what was it, 52 years or something like that? Yep. I yep. would love to see L.A. and Houston match up again in this World Series. And as a casual fan, I don't really watch regular season baseball much. Yeah. But I do watch World Series. And this series last year – 
was just incredible. Every it pitch mattered. It, it went was. down to the last game. Yep. I want to see this again, and I want to see LA get that redemption and, and, and get the title. Well, two years ago, we had the Indians and the Cubs. Last year, we had the Dodgers and the Astros. I like that as a baseball fan, switching it up. No team the same. So my World Series I'm most likely to watch is actually the Brewers and the Red Sox. I don't know if you guys saw the game last night. The Brewers beaten up on the Dodgers' best pitcher, Clayton Kershaw. We'll have to see if the Dodgers can come back from that. But right now, I think the Brewers are too good. Christian Yelich, the young talent. And then again, like Nick said, the Red Sox, I think they're too good for the Astros. And the Astros have a great team. Don't get me wrong. The Astros have a great team. But the Red Sox are sneakily good. You can only, like, as a casual fan of the Red Sox, you know, I don't watch the Red Sox like crazy like anyone. I can only name a couple players, to be honest. You know, they got star power, Andrew Benintendi. You know, they got a couple guys like that. But it's those other guys on the team that make up the team that you don't Correct. know the name right off the top of your head. But as soon those as you watch the game, players. yeah, as soon as you watch the game, you're like, oh, that guy probably was raised in their farm. They probably drafted him. They, he probably went through their farm system. And now look at him. He's in the World Series. And some no-name guy is probably going to hit a bomb in the World Series that's going to make the difference in the series. So. Correct. I think Boston beats Milwaukee, and I'd love to see Milwaukee get there. Um, it would be heartbreaking for them to lose, but Boston's too good, I think. Correct, and I th- I still think that Boston's also the only team that can present a threat to Houston, being mm-hmm. what the Houston is this year yeah. again. But we're also the only team to beat them more often and more throughout the season yeah. than any other American That's w- team. That's also what I think pushes them over the top. Yeah. Miles, you're going for uh, the the Astros. We're going for the Red Sox. What do you see in the Astros that might push them over the top? I think it's just uh, their consistency. They were okay. there last year. Yeah. I, why can't they do it again? Okay. I mean, pff, that's a fair point. The mm-hmm. Astros only got better over the season, you know. Correct. Obviously, still dominant in the AL West. They, they and didn't no drastic slow up. roster changes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, nothing that would offset them. Yeah competitively so it's going to be a great series to watch both series i think the brewers get barely over the dodgers i think i i hope both of these series go to game seven i think as we were talking about that might help a little bit with the viewership and the money the mlb is bringing in yeah um but let's talk about the mariners i mean we got to relate this to a local level so mariners would they have been able to compete against the astros or the red sox in this american league championship series no why not why not (laughs) Uh, just as an example, the one game that I went to here in Seattle, we faced your guys' best pitcher in the second inning. We weren't even halfway through the order, and we shelled him for six runs. Oh, that's one game, I mean. Yes, on. but that's the, one game. the hype was behind that game, and the fact to face your guys' best starter, that's in contradictory to <laughs> uh, some people that still feel that way about Felix. But Felix definitely on the decline. Correct. But the fact that Boston came out and did that, Houston did the same exact thing, maybe with a few less runs, but they did the same thing. They came out and really took a mantra onto your emotional stature, being that we dominated your best thrower. Like, yeah. It's kind of a huge statement. I don't think that they even had the depth and they couldn't string together enough hits going into this part of the season to even be a playoff contender. And, it shows they didn't make it. So, Miles, would the Mariners have been able to compete against the Astros or the Red Sox? To me, it comes down to two things. And the first thing I, I looked at was the season series for both for both teams. Mm-hmm. And, and Houston, Seattle, ten and ten and nine. Seattle was against Houston. Yeah, and a winning record against Boston, one game under four and three. Mm-hmm. Boston won four. Seattle won three. Yeah, 
And then the other part of that, I think, is just the playoff experience. This, the Mariners haven't been there in how many years, Austin? 18 now? I'm so, losing count. I'm even losing even count. if they did make I was four the, years yeah. old. Even if they did make <laughs> the playoffs much. there, I just – I no one on this team has been in, has been there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how much confidence they would have going into any of these games. I think Houston and Boston are just – they're just head and shoulders above where the Mariners are. And it always seems to be one side of the ball is always a problem. Whether it's defensively, someone gets injured, pitchers always struggle when they're up there, like I mentioned, or hitting-wise, like I said, they can't string together a series of hits and score enough runs. I mean, I think the statistic that they covered on KGR two years ago was that m- like 70% of Seattle's wins were also won by two runs or less. Mm-hmm. And they won so many close games to start the season. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of embarrassing. I mean, if you want a powerhouse playoff team, you string together and you get 15 <laughs> runs one game. Yeah. You get those types of like hits, and you have that dominant presence being like, hey, we can hit the ball, so you better learn how to play defense or get a better pitcher. Texas in at 509-963-2311 to join in on the action. Do you think the Mariners could have competed against the Red Sox or the Astros in this ALCS this year? Tell us why. We'll give you a shout-out on air. I have a little bit of a hot take here. I think the Mariners would have been able to compete with either team. As Miles said, a winning record versus Houston in the regular season, even though we struggled late in the season. You know, We played Houston Early in the season, we looked good against them, and late in the season, we didn't look as good. But still, ten and nine against the Astros—that's way better than last season. I think we had like a point three winning percentage against them. Overall, or something. the Mariners yeah. are just much better this season. Yeah, and they just couldn't pull it together. And, and like Tim Booth was saying, when you talk to him, normally 80, 89 wins is yeah. what they had. Normally, exactly. that would get you in the playoffs. Yep. But like I said just it's, a couple minutes ago, Houston and Boston, I think, were just head and shoulders above where they were this year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the Mariners could have competed with Houston in this series. The winning record against the regular season is all I'm looking at. That's proof that the Mariners were as good as Houston this year. I mean, the records don't show it. Houston beat everyone else, whereas we kind of choked against worse teams. You know, 1-5 record against the Rockies. 0-4 record against the Padres. That's, that's something you can't do, but Correct. we're not talking about every other team. I'm just talking about Houston in particular. The Mariners could compete with during the regular season and could have competed against them in the playoffs. To me, 10-9 and 9 is just a little too close to 500. Now, if, I, if, I get that. Say the Mariners, say they do, you know, 12-7. and 7. Yeah. Then I go, okay, they can play with the they can play with the Astros. I would love to see the know. score of all of those games. I think a five hundred <laughs> record's enough to say we can compete with these guys. I mean that Well that and being that the American League was significantly strong and yeah. you saw the difference in the win percentage, win amount between the American League and National League. Yeah. So I, I truly believe that going through, I still don't even think that the Mariners had a powerful enough bullpen to compete through five games through five games even seven there's no way that you're going to line up and say yeah i can beat boston and houston for well, that I'm, many games i'm not saying the mariners would have beat them in a best of seven i'm <laughs> saying they would have competed with them Straight i'm saying ends. they yeah. would have made it close yeah. yes and let's go to boston mariners with a three and four record against boston this season i want to look at one specific game that would have made us have a, a winning record over boston as well let's look at this game july 22nd Boston scored nine runs over the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning to win there. the game. Yeah, you yeah. were at this game. To win the game 14-10. to 10, And the Mariners' bullpen was fixed after that game and better pretty much the rest of the season. Yep. And if you take away that loss and 
if you just take away that loss, you're three and three. If you take away that loss and you make it a win, we're four, four and three against yeah. Boston. And I'm up here saying the same exact thing. That's a best of seven series that the Mariners win game seven. I mean, they you can't. Four, yeah. Was that was this the rotational season where we also came here, being that Boston came to Seattle majority of yeah. those games? Okay. Yeah. I so, just couldn't remember. That's a good, that's a good point you bring up, like yeah. home field advantage. You're talking Correct. home field advantage. Yeah, and Seattle's always been known to not be a hitter's park. Yeah, supposedly, but <laughs> we're not a fan. Well, of I think that. It, it's I think no it would have been stadium though. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would have been absolutely amazing if we went to Boston Game Seven ALCS and oh, cool. oh, yeah, beat them in Boston. Majority I mean, of New York's fences too are like, uh, I think the outer rim of the wall is three seventy. Yeah. like if that. And oh, that ballpark's four hundred straight. Unfair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, specifically that game. You can't give up nine runs over three innings late Absolutely in the game not, against no. the Red Sox, and that is one game that's just the outlier to me. I mean, you take that game out and you have a tied record against Boston. I don't even count that game this season. There's a lot of games I don't count for the Mariners this season, but we're just talking about that one um, specifically. The Mariners seemed this year to me that they were as good as Houston or Boston, and if they found themselves in this situation in the ALCS against Houston or Boston – I actually agree with you guys. I don't think they win the series because they haven't been to the playoffs. They don't know what it's like. Even Scott Service would not know what he's doing in the playoffs. There's no way you could tell me Scott Service would be a good manager in the ALCS. Pitching, bullpen, lineups, Garbage. there's no way he would have known what to and do. And Houston was just there last year. They mm-hmm. won that yeah. Game 7 in the World Series. You're telling me if you have Houston and Seattle coming down to a last pitch in the ninth inning or something, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the more experienced team. Yeah, and the, and my my point to be fair, where I say, well, the Red Sox scored nine runs over the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning because of our bullpen. Throw that game out the window. You could just just as well easily come in and say, well, what if that happens in the playoffs? Yeah. What if that happens in Game Seven? What if you bring in a bullpen guy you, and he just you would hope their pitching shelled. is better in the yeah. playoffs? Yeah, and you yeah. can <laughs> afford to do stuff like that. So. Yep. That's also not including the multiple series you guys had with Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go back to a question I asked Tim in the interview earlier. What do the Mariners have to do this offseason to make the playoffs next season and possibly be in that situation where they're competing against the Bostons and the Houstons of the American League? I personally think they have to focus on their bullpen because that's what it comes down to late in the season and the playoffs. It's how good your bullpen is, how well you can manage your bullpen. They need a couple more pieces for the bullpen, which I think is easy to get. You just got to go out and find the right guys. You know, they're they're pretty cheap as long as you find one that you could get for cheap and has a good season out of nowhere. I mean, they've done it in the past. You have something to set up the Alex Colomay in the eighth inning and Edwin Diaz in the ninth inning. And then other than that, they just need to change a couple pieces on offense. First base was a problem this year. It's been a problem the last 20 years for the Mariners. And a little bit in the outfield, I mean, center field was a huge question this year. You had D. Gordon out there in the beginning of the year. He didn't even want to play center field. So you threw out Guillermo Heredia, who hit like – 200 half the season and then finally you just put Hanniger there like okay you're our best player play center field yeah. instead of his normal position out in right field so how do you imagine they go about bringing in new pieces Austin because Tim, Tim did mention that they have some untradeable contracts I mean it's a it's a big question to look at and Tim was right in I think Tim was right in that the Mariners even don't know how to do it or what to do right now fire the general manager <laughs> I don't think they know how to do anything <laughs> Keep Edgar as a hitting guys. coach. Get rid of every other staff member. No, they can't do that. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> not. It's not a teardown. Well, they basically do that with their players. It was an. 80, <laughs> it was an eighty-nine win season. Let's be honest. You yeah, get, and it's progressive. It's a solid team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a solid team, but I think to in order to build their team where they want it to be and mm-hmm. where the fans want it to be, 
they need to stop trading their best players when they're young to get draft picks. Or Which we're still recovering players. from that from our last general manager. So you can't yeah. put that on Jerry DePoto right now. Correct. He's still trying to make moves to get out of this hole we're in. Yeah, and he's, like you said, brought up the contracts and stuff, and I feel like he is stuck in that bind, yeah. especially with Felix being uh, Oh, yeah, we have all these old problems. players on huge contracts yes. that are declining like, way earlier than we thought they would. And we have no farm system. We have no yeah. young guys. No. And we, what do we have? Signing Kyle Lewis. Cano How many years that? left are on Cano's contract? Cano enough. has like three or four more years enough. left. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> Which he's going to come back next year and play second base all year again and oh, be they good even the whole said year. that he might switch to first. Well, that's really? a possibility too. Yeah. yeah. But it just it's all depends weird. on what he's going to do. His athletic ability. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, he's just so dynamic of a player. It doesn't even matter where you put him. First, they're like, you can't move like you used to. So. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, old man. You make every other play look nonchalant. So we're just going to move you to first. Yeah. <laughs> was D playing second most of the year? Yeah. D yeah. was playing. D Gordon was playing second when Cano was out. And, and he was a gold glove at that position before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I so. mean, he's but, quick. He's quick. Oh, but yeah. a lot of problems on the team this year. We've gotten reports that him and Gene Segura over at shortstop were arguing about a yeah. lot of stuff getting into fights in the bullpen or not the bullpen uh, on the bench and in the clubhouse. You can't have that. If you want to be a playoff team, we have everything there to be a playoff team. We had it this year. We just got unlucky. You know, we could have gone to the playoffs this year if the Oakland athletics weren't as good as they were. And so I think if you fix a couple things and here's the big thing, if you go out and try to fix a couple things, but you, you try so hard that you get rid of players that Correct. you should have kept or you cut you're not going to go up and wins you're going to stay yeah. the same or go mm-hmm. down because yeah. some people are like oh well we need a better center fielder exactly what miles was saying earlier what are you going to get rid of him are you going to are you going to get rid of you know a good starting pitcher you have to give up an asset to get yeah. an asset absolutely correct yeah. and so yeah the mariners are in a really bad spot i think if they make a trade or pick up a free agent by dropping someone off the team they're going to lose maybe let's say two or three wins and they're going to gain two or three wins from the player they get. It's not going to make a difference. It truly stuck. Yeah. It's really up to, it's really <laughs> up to Jerry DePoto uh, yeah. to try and predict like guys who aren't going to have a good season next year. I, I truly believe that their main problem is hitting that if they could just stay consistent throughout the entire season, hitting wise, yeah, pitching wouldn't be a problem. Well, yeah. I mean, we saw that this year, the yeah. hitting was really good in the beginning of the year and yep. the pitching was all right. But we still were good because the hitting was so good. And the second half, as mm-hmm. soon as the hitting fell apart, the team fell apart in general. Yeah, they so. stacked up all these wins early in the season about halfway yeah. through and then Cano. kind of coasted to the end. Yeah. And, well, yeah. something, obviously, out of the playoffs. something well, obviously changed in the When you take Cano so. out of the lineup, too, it bring, that's a big bat that you just take oh, out. Yeah. So. Oh, we weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year. No. We, going into the season, and not even, not even going into the season, going into that Cano suspension, you know, I think we were maybe we're five or ten games over 500 at the time, and everyone's like, oh, we're done. We're done for the season. So I commend them for still making a run at the playoffs and making it interesting up until, you know, middle of September, early September. They definitely so. overachieved. Yeah, yes. I would say the Mariners overachieved. Yes. But a lot of fans are still pissed because uh-huh. we didn't make the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, you just didn't so make it doesn't matter. For a hungry fan base. Like, yeah. like the Mariners fan For base. every sport, not just baseball. And now everyone's going to get they mad at DePoto yeah. for not making enough moves or not making a big splash at the trade deadline. Yeah, but no. he's just trying to keep the boat afloat. You know, he's trying to not let it sink. Succeed with the players that he has. Yeah, exactly. Which is hard to do yes. when the players you have are getting 80 games suspended. They're having Kyle Seeger, one of his worst seasons in his career. One of them. Felix Hernandez is just fine. completely done. <laughs> 
So you have some players like that, and you have stuff like that happening. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to the NBA. We're going to talk about LeBron James going to the Lakers. That's a big topic right now. We're going to see if he will make his ninth straight finals. And we're also going to talk about what teams have the potential to knock off the Golden State Warriors this year. If you want to join in on the conversation, give us a text at 509-963-2311. This is Sports Central. We'll be right back on 88.1 The Berg. First episode of the year, Sports Central here on 88.1 The Berg. We're going to be here every Saturday morning, 9 to 11. So wake up on your weekend with me and my boys. Good today, morning. Today, yeah. Good morning, everyone in Ellensburg. Today we have Nick Farman and Miles King on the show. Next week we'll switch it up a little bit. But, boys, we're going to talk about LeBron James right now. And I'm just going to leave this question out here. You can text in the answer if you know the answer, 509-963-2311. Will LeBron James make his ninth straight finals? I'm going to have to say no. Being that I'm a businessman, I don't see L.A. making it this year. I see them contending for the Western Conference, mm-hmm. but I also see Houston taking that step and being the only team in the West to compete with Golden State. Down the road even farther, however, I see, once again, one of my teams, Boston being the only team in the East to actually put up a fight against Golden State. Not even down the road. Boston can put up a fight this year. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, like, into the season, not just, like, future. But, yeah. yeah. Um I just see Boston being that team. I mean, we had our two best players arguably out last year for majority of the year, and we still went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And we beat Toronto, and nobody expected that. We go out, and I think we won two games against Cleveland. Well, LeBron's not in the East anymore. Correct. He's in the West. And that's a huge thing is that just completely blows open the door. The East is wide open for the Celtics right now. And the Celtics take over. So I think – the NBA standpoint on this is kind of reiterating the East versus West rivalry. Yeah. And no other team in the East was really put together besides Boston. Well, sure, that's the East, but I mean, they have specifically, the specifically Los Angeles Lakers in the West against guys like Houston, teams like the Warriors. Obviously, we're talking about these teams. Will LeBron make his nice straight finals? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go out and say, yes, the Lakers are capable of making the finals just because you put LeBron James on this team. I don't care what team it is. I don't care who's the coach. I don't care the other players on the team. <laughs> LeBron James, when you put him on the team, boom, automatic. LeBron finals, is the coach. What are you finals? talking about? You know he's yeah, going to exactly, be the coach. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you put LeBron, you could put LeBron on the Grizzlies. They're, they have a chance of making the finals. You could put him Absolutely. on... The Timberwolves, they have a chance of making the finals. He's a generational <laughs> talent, yeah. Exactly. Yes. I have to agree. For me, it comes down to how the how the how actually the West bracket shakes out. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, you have, if you have L.A. in the bottom bracket, say against Portland, mm-hmm. Utah, <laughs> New Orleans, any of those <laughs> You teams. were sad for saying yeah. that. <laughs> any You're any like, I don't want to say Portland. That's Portland. my team. That's my team. Yeah. Yeah. Shout any out to Damian teams, Lillard. But <laughs> any of those teams, if you have L.A. playing them in the semifinals, they're probably winning that series. Yeah. Okay. And then if you have Houston and Golden State in the upper bracket. Yeah. Houston could win that series. So oh, if yeah. you're telling me it comes down to a Western Conference Finals of Houston and L.A., I'm, yeah, the Lakers. I'm taking LeBron yeah. over Lakers. James Harden, Chris Paul, exactly. all in that gang. Oh, James Harden can't play defense, so oh. I'm definitely taking LeBron in that. But let's <laughs> say the Warriors beat Houston and it's Warriors-Lakers, Warriors, Lakers. Yeah. Western Conference Finals, Lakers. Lakers, I'm, I'm baby. Still going Warriors, man. Lakers, <laughs> baby. No. I am not a Fairweather Lakers. Lakers fan like half this country is. Oh, I but hate the Lakers. I'm As a Blazers fan, I hate the Lakers. 
As a Celtics fan, I hate the Lakers. <laughs> but as a non-NBA fan, I like the Lakers' chances this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Look, it's, put, it's simply just because you add LeBron to the lineup. That's it. That's Literally. all it takes. And I don't want to jump to conclusions, but Lakers 2-0 and against the Warriors so far this preseason. True. It's preseason, though. It's preseason, but... Oh, look at that. It still doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say this. The Lakers, the moves they made this offseason, it looks like a bunch of misfits. It's yes. LeBron and the misfits yeah. and the young core coming off the bench. Yeah. yeah. But if you, look at, if you look at the guys they brought in and the guys they retained, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a lengthy guy. He can shoot mm-hmm. the ball. Lance Stevenson, another lengthy defender. Rondo, single-handedly him and and uh, Holiday shut down Damon CJ in the playoffs. Yeah, you have these lengthy perimeter defenders, and that is how you're going to stop the Warriors. And we all we all talk about you need a big three on your team to win the finals, no. and outside no. of the big three, you need two good players, and outside no. of the top five on your team, you need a good bench. I don't care. As long as you have LeBron James on your team, you always have you're, a chance. you're in contention for the finals. I imagine the Lakers will be very solid on defense with the length they have on the yeah. perimeter, and then I think their bench, their starters will be really good on, on defense. Yeah. <laughs> their bench is going to be a different story. you got the young guys. you got Kuz, you got Ingram, you got Lonzo Ball, and you got Josh Hart. Josh Hart, I think, is a solid perimeter defender, but the rest of those guys Does the ball haven't, play defense? haven't bought into the defensive end <laughs> yet. So I think the starters for the Lakers are going to be great on defense. The bench is going to come in and run up and down and score a lot of points, and they're going to be bad on defense. Yeah. yeah. That's how I imagine this season goes for the Lakers. Who covers James Harden in that matchup? L.A. Golden. LeBron. Really? LeBron yeah. or any or Rondo? I, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I, I want to see Rondo. Actually, no, you, you put Rondo on Chris Paul. Who's? Oh, okay. Okay, Chris Paul, yeah. yeah. Well, Chris and Paul's you put got Caldwell the Pope or Stevenson on, on Harden. Yeah. Ooh, that would be a good matchup. Yeah. And yeah. that's just the Rockets. Looking back again at the Warriors, because, you know, the Warriors are more than likely going to be in the Western Conference Finals. Let's just... Let's yes. just say if they beat okay, let's just say they beat Houston and they make mm-hmm. the West Conference Finals against the Lakers. This is where I think the tides turn. This is where the times have changed. The Warriors seem like a dynasty, but I think they slow down a little bit. They're uh, all I would say they're already a dynasty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They've they've continued their dominance throughout the past like four they, seasons. They already are. They don't seem that way just because the new generation True. being that what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I I think they've established themselves as a Western always. That's fair just enough. A Western conference. But I think this year is the year they finally slow down and yeah. they don't make the finals. I'm just going to go out and say the Lakers are going to beat the Warriors know, in man. the Western Conference okay. Finals. I don't know, man. To me, it's how LeBron the James, James, dude. I don't know, it's, man. It's my <laughs> Western Conference Finals matchup for me. Who, who, if the Lakers make it that far, who are they playing? Houston. And that, that's the question. Do they, does LeBron make it to his ninth straight finals? It, it literally comes down to, though, who can beat LeBron or who can beat Golden State, really, if it ends up being that way on the bracket. And it, I truly believe if L.A. ends up playing Golden State on that side of the bracket, it's up to them to open the door for Houston or vice versa. You saw in 2016, though, what LeBron did to that Warriors team. Yes. They were – Clear favorites and LeBron single handedly made them aggravated. They looked like you remember the him, finals, they him and yeah. Kyrie. Yeah, they they looked so defeated. The Warriors looked so defeated. I'd never they seen so them much like that before into winning 73 games. Yeah, that was also before they anything. traded the Australian guy as well. Bogut, yeah, they're six men off the bench, yeah. and he's a phenomenal scorer as a point guard as well. And like people don't expect that, and he played for the national team in the Olympics. Oh, you talking like about Delhi? I, I honestly, point guard, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they had a constant rotation off the bench mm-hmm. that was positive so intensely on offense that they were just so good. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's very hard to stop. And they took advantage at that time. What was a defensive mismatch for Golden State off the bench? Yeah. So I, th- I think that took more into play. And yes, LeBron is that figure and he took over control with that whole series. Yeah. But the fact and that Le- he has LeBron not forget a- either. The Warriors were up 3-1 in that series. Yeah. Yes. LeBron that's takes over yeah. every series he plays in. Let's yes. look at last year against Boston to go to the finals. Ooh. I mean, everyone's like, everyone's like, the Celt- it's going to be the Celtics. And the I Warriors. still have that LeBron stare down in my yeah. mind. Yeah. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if Boston beats LeBron last year, they might have beat the Warriors. And we would have been, you guys probably would have been agreeing with me more. We on beat them during the regular season. The too. Warriors. I don't, I don't think Boston beat the Warriors last year with their two best players injured. Well, we did actually once. And during, the, because, during the finals, that was what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, 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 no, no. I don't think we compete as well as we should. That's a fair This point. year can be different. Yeah. This year, let's talk about this year. Who can beat the Warriors this year specifically? Boston. Just Boston? Out no other East? team. Yeah, out Boston. of the East, Boston. No, in the NBA. Oh. Oh. Boston, Toronto, Houston. Toronto. In LA. Toronto. I, I got to agree. Raptors. Toronto's going to be a Toronto. sleeper. They're they have sleeper. a top 10 really? player in Kawhi Leonard on their team now. I don't have Toronto. I have the other three you said. I have Boston, the Rockets, and the Lakers. Toronto's deep. I don't know. Toronto. Their bench is great. They're good. You said defense. that last year. You said that last year, didn't you? Okay, first didn't of all. Didn't you and Miles <laughs> or probably. and Will say that probably, last year? Yeah. A lot of people say things one year ago. I can't. A lot of people, Seattle fans. <laughs> yeah. Being, Will Ortner. I'm just telling you, Kawhi Leonard is a different <laughs> animal than DeMar DeRozan. DeMar, DeMar, That's true. DeMar can score it. Don't get me wrong. That guy can put in mid-range shot after mid-range shot. But Kawhi is just a different animal. He's an and, MVP candidate. He plays both ends. Not to say to, DeRo- okay, yes. DeRozan doesn't, yes. but Kawhi is on another level. But to get to the Warriors, you have to make the finals because you got oh, one team out of the East, one town, yeah. one team out of the West. Yeah. So I don't think Toronto can beat Boston to get to the Warriors. You never know. So but the question here there's is: There's where my thing who comes can in. beat the Warriors, and I think Toronto's one of those teams if they make it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yes. Or even they will, if they figure they out things defensively as well, you could even say Portland's. <laughs> I'm not going I, that far. I'm a huge fan of Damian Lillard. That's oh, why. I am too. But so like, <laughs> hey. I'm not. I'm not prepared to say Portland's going to beat Golden State. No, but I still think offensively where they're at, they can compete. But if they figured out things on the backcourt and just oh yeah, Portland can hang with Golden State as far as shooting and scoring. Yeah. But no, not defensively. defensively no. Other than that, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, just their lineup cannot compete with the star. Like power. much of the league, they have nobody that can defend KD. Correct. Yeah. Well, my my three teams, like I said, the Lakers all. Just give me give you my reason on why the Lakers can beat the Warriors. <clears throat> Let's hear it. LeBron, LeBron. James. Yeah. <laughs> Next, the Houston Rockets um, can beat the Warriors too much offensively. I mean, I, they can overpower them on offense this season. And looking again at their team, it's a real team. Houston is for real. Uh, the Warriors are going to slow down and have not. They're not going to have as good as, as games against Houston in the playoffs. I think. Houston and the Golden State Warriors, that series, if that happens, will be very interesting because yeah. what I see from the offseason is is Houston got worse defensively. Mm-hmm. They lost two of their best perimeter defenders in Trevor Ariza and Luke Mbamute, mm-hmm. but they also added some scoring punch with yeah. with Melo. So does that so, series go to seven games or five? Like last year, I think it goes, still goes seven. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, – I'm still going to take the Warriors in that. I am too, yeah, but same. I think it still goes seven. Yeah. Okay. The Rockets then, got worse defensively, but they got better offensively. Yeah. So, and then my last team, the Celtics. I mean, they're—I don't know if you guys Stacked. agree with me, but they're the clear favorite to be the team to knock East, off the yeah. Warriors this season. Let's look at the Celtics starting five: Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford. That's not even mentioning Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and Marcus Morris on the bench. The Celtics are so deep. Go, yeah. th- go through the starters. And they have 
They have an incredible coach. You want the starters yeah. again? Kyrie Irving. Okay, cool. I just wanted to hear that again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking Brad about. Brad Stevens, coach of the year, too. Oh, Tell yeah. Us. Easily, yeah. especially out of the East. Nobody expected us to beat uh, Toronto last year no. out of the first round. No way. And we still came out, punched it in, and without Kyrie Some of those or other Gordon, contenders, so. too, out East. I just, I'm not buying Philly yet. No, no, no way. No, I'm not buying no Philly. No way. No. They're, they're too young. Yeah. Too Phil. young, very talented, but very talented. Way too they young. will be the the cream of the crop of the East here. In yeah. Philly two or three will, years, but yeah, Philly will more than likely, unless they meet in an earlier round, be with Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's my and that's another thing. Gordon Hayward was the biggest problem for Utah, coming like playing against every other team that they played against. He was that guy to stop. Yeah, and now that we have him with Kyrie and stuff like that, I just don't see. Al Horford's one of the most underrated big men in the whole league, too. That, too. He's he anchors just, oh, their offensive boards anchors are crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Boston's that team in the East to really look up to. Just, just say, yeah, we can't compete with that. If Boston yeah. doesn't come out of the East, I will be shocked. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. Unless, of course, they have those injuries again. That yeah. could be drastic. <laughs> You'd hope not, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, even then, with those injuries, we still prevailed. So, yeah. To, well, I'm not as extent. big as an NBA fan as others maybe. But I am for sure watching every game of the last end of the playoffs if the final four teams are Rockets, Warriors, um, and then Celtics, 76ers. I'm about watching. Lakers, Warriors, or Lakers, Houston? Are you not as much of a basketball fan being what the climate is now? Yeah. I mean, okay. ever since the Sonics left Seattle, I just stopped caring about the, bas- mm-hmm. uh, about the NBA, really. Fair enough. Um, but in recent years, I mean – it's been fun to watch this trilogy. It's almost like a mm-hmm. series of movies coming out with mm-hmm. the the Cleveland and Golden State. I mean, it's going back and forth, back and forth. LeBron, the huge story in 2016. Kevin Durant being the snake of the NBA title, yeah. coming to Golden State. You know, This is a fun storyline to pay attention to, and I hope it continues with the Lakers and the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. That would be absolutely amazing if the Lakers took out the Warriors in Western Conference Finals and then with Boston LeBron beats James. Them. <laughs> Boston beats. Kyrie they gets his revenge. LeBron just moved to the West. He's like, "Hey, Warriors, I'm right we here." Don't like you, <laughs> you know I mean? We that, don't like you, LeBron. We don't like you. You know how hyped the Celtics would be if they knew they were going to the finals, like to their series were, was done, and then they watched LeBron beat the Warriors for them. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! The Celtics would That's be a blessing. Yeah, yeah. The Celtics would be more than happy. But then LeBron, you better get LeBron's address. Send him a little thank you basket or something. But then you have to be worried about <laughs> LeBron in the finals. True, yeah. Because that's his ninth straight finals. You don't know what kind of level yeah, he's going to be on if his he makes the finals. I tell you what, if LeBron does Boston. make his ninth straight finals and Boston comes out of the East. That is what the NBA wants. Oh, they want big yeah. city. Lakers, Boston, Celtics, LA, yeah. Boston. Lakers, Celtics, yeah. Showtime, Boston. Lakers. Boston. Take us back to the eighties, Larry Bird. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which so. I mean, in that Man, series. God. In that series, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I don't, I don't think there's any way the Lakers beat the Bo- the Boston Celtics in that. That would series. be an incredible no. series. I, I think Boston's way too deep off the bench to. Yeah. For the Lakers LeBron have those young upstart that. guys coming off the bench though. Oh, I'm sorry. Does Ball play defense again? No, he doesn't. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does his brothers. No. We're gonna take a quick break. On the other side of this break, we're gonna talk more about the NBA. I want to know what everyone thinks about getting a team back to Seattle relocation or expansion that's the two options for the nba right now so we're gonna take a break don't go anywhere you're listening to sports central here on 88.1 the bird welcome back to sports central my name is austin lane joining me in the studio miles king and nick farman it's our first episode of sports central on the year we'll be here every saturday morning 9 to 11 a.m this is our last segment of the day boys good first show let's open up the text lines 
509-963-2311. Let us know what you think about the NBA either expanding, adding two teams to the league, or relocating to get a team back to Seattle. I want to know what you guys think. Expansion versus relocation, and I don't care about any other team in the league. I don't care what's going on. All I care about is Seattle. I don't care, you know, get the Kings up here. I don't care either way. As long as there's a team in Seattle, I'm happy with it. And I I don't care if we're the bad guys for stealing a team away because we had it happen to us. Oklahoma City stole our team from us. I would be willing to steal a team from another city and make them feel bad and say, okay, you guys try to get the NBA to expand then and bring us and bring a team back to your city. I wanted the Kings to come up to Seattle back when it happened so bad. I did not care. Sacramento mayor coming out saying, we want our team to stay here, um, rallying the city to keep the team. That didn't work for Seattle back in back when, mm-hmm. Se- when the Sonics left. Why does it get to work for them? So I don't care either way as long as the team's in Seattle. I don't care if we steal the Lakers from Los Angeles. <laughs> just whole, get them up whole, here. Whole, uh, just Sonics get them up moving here. moving thing was just kind of a mess. The guy yeah. who bought it knew from the start he oh, wanted yeah. to move it down to Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. And uh, kind of le- led them on to believe he wasn't going to. So that was really mm-hmm. shady. But yep, it's the ideal stab in the back situation. Yeah, just said. <laughs> so getting a team back, uh, getting an NBA team back in Seattle, Miles. What do you think is the best option? The more realistic option, I think, not necessarily the best option, is going to be expansion. Okay. Adam Silver has said a few times to media that uh, the NBA is going to look at expansion in about five years or so mm-hmm. around 2023 or so i think tim said the same thing mm-hmm. I, I think i believe he said 2024 2025 but that back to what i said um yeah adam, adam silver has said in a couple of years out they're looking at expansion and uh seattle's on the short list for sure yes yeah. the nba oh, yeah. knows they did something wrong here yeah they know they they know they made it wrong and they're trying to make it they're they better make it right <laughs> let's yeah. just say that uh bring a team back to seattle this this city that city has wanted ba- basketball since they left yeah i mean and so I think the most realistic thing is going to be expansion. And going back to what Tim said as well, again, it's it's going to have to be two teams. Yeah. And I through ESPN, I heard the other day that Montreal has actually taken the steps now okay. to get an NBA expansion team. So could be somewhere up in Canada. I know Canada has a has a thirst for basketball. I know mm-hmm. Mexico does as well. The <laughs> NBA is expanding their brand worldwide. I expect them to go maybe another international team in, in, in Canada or maybe even Mexico for that second team, but I think it's mm-hmm. Seattle. And then as far as other teams, I personally, I would love to see another team in Vancouver again and Seattle. Oh, there's no the way. NBA, there's no does way. the NBA put two teams no. in the no. Northwest? No. That looks so not. bad. Yeah. So, yeah. But as far as the I-5 corridor, the Northwest <laughs> rivalry, yeah. Blazers, Sonics, Grizzlies in oh, Vancouver, gosh, oh, that'd be, good. that'd be good stuff. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Um, from my opinion... I actually think that relocation at this point, if they were going mm-hmm. to do it earlier and meaning sooner in time, I see relocation being that because I don't, I'm not a Seattle fan, so I, I don't take it personal that they took the Sonics away, but I do believe it was bad business. Mm-hmm. I think down the road, it would be a better idea to relocate another team simply because business is here. Kevin Durant's publicized it. When they came up for that game, yeah, and I think now more it was people a very good reception for that game, yeah. And, and I think when the Sonics left, attention. when the Sonics left, there was this sort of idea that oh, nobody in Seattle cares about the NBA anymore. Look at their attendance; yeah. it's horrible. It's because the team was horrible. I mean, if we were back to being a finals caliber team, you would have seen. You also got to consider Key Arena was uh, forty years old at the time. Yeah, horrible oh, yeah. venue. 
And that's yeah. the thing too, is that I, I feel like that's more of the construct problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, why the NBA won't come up here as soon as now. Cause like people wanted it three years ago mm-hmm. and we had the ability to. They still to haven't changed Key Arena though. It's still. Correct. And still no, that's the thing. I don't think that Key Arena is the venue to bring it back to. No. I say you build a new venue like people want. That's been the biggest obstacle though, is building that new arena. Yeah. And the, with the port and everything and Longshoreman Union saying no. But I think this it well, and the Seattle City Council mm-hmm. for you know all the other countless positive things. But that's things also that the biggest reason Sacramento well. didn't come up here is because they were able to finalize a deal on a new stadium, correct? Sacktown. So. Yes, and that's the thing is like it, I feel like that's the problem rather than the NBA saying, "Hey, we want to do it, but we don't have the resources." That's not it. I, I feel like if Seattle has a venue to play out of mm-hmm. and has a home for it, the NBA will say, "Yeah, you can have the Sonics back." I think these NBA cities really try to hold on to their teams, and you yeah. saw that with Sacramento. Yeah. yeah, they rallied there at the end. We got to get a deal done for this new stadium. Yep. They did not want the Kings to leave, and, and so I think more realistically, it's going to be expansion because it's going to be so hard to rip one of these teams out of one of these NBA cities. Well, would you rather watch Seattle play in the Key Arena or a brand new venue in Soto District? Oh, a brand new venue, brand new venue, obviously. Okay. That's but Seattle City Council isn't even close to doing that. No, and that's because of their own personal horrible beliefs yeah. in my opinion yeah. but i mean they've caused a whole lot of problems and just in general not including yeah. sports but if they just say yes we need the money and soda district's overtaken by the homeless problem anyway so why not just eliminate that and build a whole new venue like yeah. it's all centralized you have the sonics the hockey team that's coming up and then that hockey team i think will be a nice stop gap between yes now and the NBA well, the, eventually getting back to Seattle. Correct, Most but they will Seattle, play hopefully out of that. Most area. of Sonics yeah. fans are going to go to the hockey games to just oh, yeah. show the NBA, oh, yeah. we're here and we're ready to go. There, how Don't be surprised if you see a bunch of Sonics jerseys at the Seattle NHL games. I mean, seriously, oh, yeah. don't be surprised. There was a lot even at the game when yeah. Durant and all them mm-hmm. came up here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, there was just there we're showing that the Northwest and Washington specifically does care yeah. that the Sonics aren't here anymore. Yeah. And there's still that generation of people that say, hey, we're Sonics fans. Because yeah. I, I saw Michael Jordan's second to last game of his career ever when he, the Magic came up here mm-hmm. to play. And that's I awesome. that's still like the coolest thing ever. Exactly. But I'm not yeah. a Sonics fan. So, okay, so I'm, Nick, that if theory. you're for the re- relocation, which team moves? Uh, it's up to whoever is a bad team. I still think, even though they're one of the storied programs, if, if you're out of silver, and uh, who are you moving? The Bucks. The Bucks? Yeah. Just because they're so bad. And their business, bad, no. But okay, I'm then you, you're gonna more, get all of Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee's gonna saying that's gonna be no. mad. Well, that's the thing is like you're taking a storied program, even though not sorry, not storied positively, <sighs> meaning that they're good. But the they've always the been. Or... I, they're one of the original teams, right, yeah. in professional yeah. basketball. Yeah. So I feel like maybe that's not why they would do it. But I I see more expansion being a positive outlook in that. But I see relocation of a team that's not succeeding business-wise or popularity in general Mm -hmm. coming up here. I agree with Nick on this. This is from basketballinsiders.com. As much as fans want to talk about expanding the NBA, there are two core issues facing the idea of more NBA teams, the biggest being that not all the existing teams are turning a profit. Even with a massive windfall in new TV rights money, there are still some franchises that are not in the black. Some of the losses are of their own choosing with massive luxury tax spending. But when you look at what some franchises generate before revenue sharing, the financial health of the league isn't so good that current owners want to share the revenue pie even more with two new teams coming in. And, I mean, I got to be honest here. I'd rather piss off a fan base and bring a team to Seattle than not have a team at all in Seattle. Guaranteed money is always better than 
ideal money, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the NBA kind of facing a dilemma right now. Do they want to keep expanding their brand as far as, you know, in the United States with two yeah. more teams, or do they want to and risk, or are the owners yeah. worried about profit sharing? Yeah. Uh, I'm also concerned with the baseball side of it as well, meaning that if basketball expands mm -hmm. and they expand to Canada with another team, or if they expand to Mexico City, that also extends the schedule so many more games, right? So less people will watch during the regular season. I don't know that it would. The NBA is really good about making sure their players stay healthy and they're not overexhausted or anything yeah. like that. They, they've they've made, taken steps in the last couple of years to have more days off between games Correct. while keeping the 82-game schedule, mm -hmm. less back-to-backs, less four games and five nights, less seven-game road trips, more time between games so their players can stay healthier and, and be more fresh to watch. For, for when the playoffs come around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, well, I mean, expansion also brings up another risk by the NBA. You might expand to 32 teams, and then in the next five or ten years, the two bottom teams at the league that aren't making any money at all might just say, we're done. Yeah. We can't be in the league anymore. And they can't move at that point. And they can't move, and then you're back to 30 teams, and mm -hmm. that's pretty much relocation. Yeah. You're just yeah. taking a team away from a city because they couldn't have enough profit because you expanded. That's the same thing as relocation in my mind. I, I'd say relocation more than yeah. anything. I mean, and I would you, you said you said the worst teams and maybe the ones that don't get as much traction. I would correct. say just relo relocate the two teams that are having the most financial issues. Yes, to a city that has pr uh, pr has proven that there will be financial income and, and that's profits. A, that's a correlation as well, not yeah. just by team performance, but by business wise as well. Like if the right. fan base isn't there, if the projections of income and so on and so on isn't there, I'd be then curious why are you still if, there? If they try to remove a team from one of the like say Milwaukee. Yeah. I'd be curious to see the f the fan outreach and the, and the outcry as far as don't take our team similar to like Sacramento. Yes. How how much are they going to come out in support of their their Bucks? Yeah, is yeah. it going to be a similar situation to Sacramento where they're like don't leave? Yeah, and that's or the thing is it gonna like be, oh, whatever we got the Packers. Do you do you even see both of you? Do you even see fans of basketball having the same reaction to this being re relocation or expansion, either one, to the same statue of? Oakland Raiders moving out and going to Vegas. I think the the Raiders situation there is um, bigger just because the Raiders yeah. are such a storied franchise in Oakland mm -hmm. playing on the baseball field and that team has been there forever. Yeah. And they they've been great for uh, not in a couple years but they were great. They've always been. They've yeah. always they're one of those storied franchises and and to take that team out of Oakland and move them to Vegas that's purely financial. Yeah. That's all about yeah. profit. And, and that's you're gonna the thing, like, it, you're it, gonna make someone mad no matter what. You're gonna make and, and the Raiders fan base no is just what. so huge. Yeah, and the NFL fan base is just so huge. Mm -hmm. I think automatically that kind of disqual as far as you know. Do you would, like, would an NBA franchise's fan yeah. base react the same as the Raiders? No, just because yes. I think there's less of them and they're less passionate about. The or Raiders maybe even or NFL fans in general. Do you see them? receiving that the same way like oh sweet now there's one less california team I, like, I mean <laughs> i don't really care that the raiders are going to vegas they're still the raiders yeah Kay. it doesn't matter where they play yeah and that's the thing but like do you think basketball fans in that sense the same way as football will accept the fact that another team is moving say, outside of the california? fan base yes yeah outside of the fan base i feel like a majority let's say um seattle takes the milwaukee bucks to seattle and makes them the supersonics Everyone outside of the Milwaukee fan base will be happy that happened because you have one less team in a city that doesn't make profit and one more team in a city that will make profit. Bunch and of profit. A lot of people will say, oh, well, if they're going to go the back to the key arena, like yeah. 
if well, a lot of fans are gonna. A lot of fans outside of the fan base are gonna say they're gonna go back to Key Arena. They're not gonna. But that's. I mean, know. that's more pocket. That's more money in the owners' pockets. Cause yeah. You, uh, obviously, you would assume that Seattle would be more profitable than Milwaukee. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even if they are horrible for the first two, three seasons that they're up here, they're still gonna have more. Fans and they're going to going. be because of the because of the way the NBA is right now. Yes. If you bring the Sonics back, exactly. you we can have move a demand. the Orlando Magic to Seattle. That's a bad <laughs> team. Yeah, but the the buzz around the city would be we got the Sonics back. We're going. exactly yeah. yeah. There we would can, be huge support. We have for that a team. team now. We can make it what we want. It's and similar to Sacramento. Sacramento's a bad team too. Yeah. But if they were up here, which was a realistic possibility just a couple years ago, like oh, yeah. like Tim was yeah. saying with with Chris Hansen. Ultimately, they weren't able to make a stadium deal there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they or just kind of wasn't there talk also of Phoenix as well at I'm one not point. Sure. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I'm there not was. Sure what kind like of a fan base Phoenix has. Yeah, they're pretty. Either. It's pretty popular. Yeah, From when yeah. I was down in Arizona, it's pretty popular. Same with their hockey team and stuff. But yeah. like, I, I wonder. I, I truly wonder how much of a business difference it would make if Seattle had the team back. Well, for any franchise. Yeah, and I mean, if you bring Seattle back. They're going to be in the Western Conference, and right now that's yeah. not going to be fun. You're going to have to play the Warriors. You're going to have to play the Lakers. You're going to have to play the Rockets. Well, it depends. It's not going to be fun for the first couple of years, but you after have to play that, a, a already established Portland, like yeah, exactly. But after those first couple seasons, let's say LeBron retires, let's say you know the Warriors kind of fizzle out, you still have a team no matter what. Sure, they might not be good for the first couple of seasons, and you might not even see from the very beginning us making a lot of profit and saying like okay the team's back we're here because they're going to be bad let's not lie about it you know mm-hmm. but in the long run i think seattle's a top 10 nba city yes. honestly yeah Hands absolutely down. and they're on the short list to get the yeah. to get a relocation or expansion yep. yeah silver has said that and it's because we have such a low demand already or not necessarily demand but we have such a low amount of sport teams up here anyways i mean we split and we, well, we'll Granted, have we the have NHL Portland. by then, though. Correct. So we'll have a lot of teams. And we have, like, you can say we have Portland, but the amount of professional teams that we have to split necessarily between the whole Northwest region, yeah. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana. like That's fair enough, yeah. And we don't have that, but if we have another team to watch, that's that fan base. Like, everybody wants to be there. Well, so. don't, get me, don't get me wrong. The viewership on TV from people in Montana will be, you know, not that high, but it'll Correct. gain a little bit. They're not going to drive over to Seattle to watch the game in the arena, though. No. And we have a text, actually, from the 206. <clears throat> Seattle fans are not going to show up after they go 21-61 and 61 on the season. That's a fair point. They're not yeah. going – they might not show up. But I'm talking about in the long run, in the overall scheme of things, you got to get a team back to Seattle. There's yes. no argument that you can't get a, back, a team back to Seattle. I mean, I don't care if they go 21-61. and 61. We have a team again. They're going to turn profit yeah, eventually. Absolutely. We test the patience of the fan base, but yeah, th- th- I think they're just going to be happy to have a team back. I think yeah. Seattle has a lot of patience being that to reply to that texture was, yeah, but some people still go to Mariners games. So I mean, they Exactly. <laughs> the Mariners still turn a, a whole lot of profits. Yes. They find a way to do it, even though yeah, the Mariners, Mariners haven't, haven't been in the playoffs in 18 years. years. Yeah. 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 The Seahawks didn't go to a Super Bowl until 40 years into their franchise i mean honestly that's the number one thing you can say like you can say all you want that oh well no one's gonna go watch after they suck well that's a hasty generalization i mean we can say the same thing about the mariners they've been horrible so i I don't see the difference i I don't i don't think seattle fans are fair weather fans no they're not fair weather fans but i'm saying like they're still devoted to go (laughs) when they have a team there yeah absolutely it's gonna be lower if they're bad Right. Oh yeah, but it's going to be way higher when they're good. Which and is eventually fine. they'll be good again. It's if every they're still team playing in Key Arena. What is that hold? Sixteen thousand or something? Well, Not they even. 
not even. even. Not even. Not even on a good day. The hope is that the hope is that they won't be in Kyrie. Yeah. The hope. Hypothetically, if they still are playing Kyrie, even if they're a bad team, I think they'd still sell that out. The dreaded Seattle traffic, and parking. Yeah. So that will just about wrap up our show today. We'll be back next weekend from nine to eleven again on Saturday here on Sports Central. So. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for joining us on the show. My name is Austin Lane. I got Miles King and Nick Farman with me today. Next week, uh, next weekend, we'll probably have a little bit different of a team. But thank you guys for tuning in. This was the first episode of Sports Central. We'll catch you guys next week on 88.1 The Bird. Thanks for listening.